Yo, it's the most dope show. It's about that time to get live. Take a break from your eight to five. The mother guys don't have the ability to rip it. We kick it. Three guys on representing with the most killer spirit. And we coming with the joke. So you better grab a good pen and pad for your notes. And forget them other folks. Cause we got the best quotes. Randolph does more than just jokers. He woke and he got the files. Tell Andy Klein to turn up the dial. I don't know where that boy Tim is now. Raising the daughter, he hella proud. Andy is straight up and Randolph ain't hip up racist. When Tim Miller hit that got funny as shit. The sock puppets always be there to assist. Too many to name, but they all of this shit. I guess I could try. Love me some Frankie French. Milner and Mike B. Be lit. I cannot forget about Petey and Chris. JL Covan with them Trump impressions. Riding Cameron coming from the black guy who tips. That's a whole damn nation, so they always near. Pop, pop, bang, bang. Getting green, romaine. Three guys on sock puppet nation. Gang, gang. Yeah. <laughs> what up, Dominic? Puerto Rico, Suave. I know you thought I forgot about you, but I ain't gonna get about you, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Puerto Rico, uh, Puerto Rico, Suave. I keep getting, I guess my phone is listening to me because I keep getting offers from Amazon to buy a base, to buy another electric base. My wife was like, well, go ahead and get another one. I'm like, well, I can, I have that Ibanez. The one I have is an Ibanez acoustic that can be amped up. I just, for whatever reason, I blew my, I blew my bass amp. I don't know if it, I just went to turn it on one day, it didn't come on. I was like, fuck me. <laughs> well, we obviously know phones are listening and yes, yeah. like to tell you that stuff, but for the time that it's listening to you when you don't think anybody's listening, like there must be some really weird, like get this, uh, uh, anti-angry pill. Like what yeah. is like, what is <laughs> yeah. the yeah. Yeah. Well, it got up. me it got me with iron skillets. I've been talking about a cast iron skillet. I just bought two today on Amazon. They just kept throwing me iron skillet stuff. Just iron skillet, iron skillet, iron skillet. I'm like, you got me. Fine. Fuck. I'm gonna get the iron skillet. <laughs> Your phone just sent it's not even an ad, it's just a thing that says uh trouble at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Need someone to talk to? Is everything okay? Yeah. <laughs> You no. seem sad lately. <laughs> does your whole does your soul hurt? Say, <laughs> yeah, Guitar Center. I don't know what the deal is. Are they going down? I guess are, are they transitioning just to online? Not if Reddit get a hold of them. It's, it's not going to be a huge blowout sale, though. I thought looking at the one I want, the one over by me, I was in there, and it looks like they've blown out. Yeah, but the prices didn't come down drastically, is what I'm saying. Yeah, not like that, but a lot of their shit is gone. Well, maybe they'll be able to sell their inventory to somewhere else, like online that can sell it full price or something yeah. like that. But, I, mean, I think I think musiciansfriend.com is the same company, um, and they sell online. And Guitar Center has their own website, too. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to unload all the inventory. They'll just try to sell it. This shit's all gone. I thought maybe I'll be able to catch an amp on sale. No. <laughs> No, the prices were regular, but they were just gone. I'm like, maybe I should just run up to a pawn shop and see if I can find me a little bass amp. Yeah. Wait, they were sold shop. out? Hmm? What's that? They were sold out? Say again? You said they were sold out? They just, the prices weren't really that low. Oh, okay. And a lot of their, a lot of their stock is gone. <laughs> you yeah. can see going in there looking around, you're like, oh, a lot of shits. Y'all really have sold a lot of shit. But yeah, I, I don't know if I, what they did I don't know if I should be wise. happy about that. I don't know if I should be happy about that or scared like a whole bunch of shitty music gonna be coming out. Oh yeah, that's that's a definite. As soon as soon as, as soon as the uh, 
as soon as the quarantine started, I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that song. I'm like, what yeah. song? <laughs> What's There's like- gonna have a lot of people that are gonna be able to play Teen Spirit in like yeah. different yeah. instruments coming out of quarantine. Being like, yeah. I learned yeah. guitar. Like, <laughs> no, hard it is to sing and play at the same time. I've tried. It ain't easy. Uh, yeah, man. I told you. I told you. People are just gonna walk around and be like, so do you have a podcast or a band? Which one are you? <laughs> <laughs> Which ones you start? I remember just trying to, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I think I'm going to sit down and see if I could write a, a, a sitcom treatment. I actually thought that. Yeah. <laughs> I actually thought that. I, I did that. I've written You the, do that though, Elena. That's not the yeah, same. <laughs> I guess so. But I did, I definitely did like the one that I'd been thinking about, like outside of my company just for me and quarantine. I have done that. Uh, yeah, but like I said, you do that. Like <laughs> I'm going to sit down and write. I'm going to write the new great American novel. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're going to do? Yeah, yeah, really? Yeah. No. I can't laugh too hard about it right now. Seeing as how I've been struggling on mine for fucking so long. See? <laughs> <laughs> but dude, it's just, it's frustrating. It should be the fourth thing I'm writing, not the first thing. And it's, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to Ray Sonny and she had, we talked about screenwriting. And she was like, "Oh, you can do it. You you can do it right now." You know, I was like, "Oh, you yeah, can totally do it." Yeah, she was like, "Yeah, buy this book." Because uh, I told her that I was thinking about uh, when she was in town headlining. I had told her, for those who don't know, Ray Sani is a uh, an Emmy winning screenwriter. <laughs> At this point, multiple multiple Emmy winning screenwriter. She's also the scourge of the of Twitter, but that's a whole different story. Uh, leftist Twitter. Leftist Twitter, by the way. <laughs> it's great on Twitter. I don't get it, but I'm like, eh, fuck you guys. Um, we were talking about it, and I said, uh, I'm thinking about taking a screenwriting class, like one of those little short, like three-day classes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she was like, don't do that. <laughs> you don't need to do that. There's four <laughs> books. Hey, don't do that. I learned how buy, to screenwrite. Somebody buy Save the Cat. What are the books? Save the Cat. Save the, Save cat. the cat. I can literally go get them right now. There's one yeah. called Story. There's four of them that you need, and I have them. I have Save the Cat. Them. So I bought right. Save the Cat. Save, Save the Cat's the one that a lot of people like, but I like the more basic one that I like. Will you guys give me a second? I will go get it so that I can no tell problem. you. Yeah, yeah, I want to go get it. Story Grid? Is that another one? one? Okay. The dramatic writing. Yeah, this yeah. one's pretty strong. That one's like a classic. That one's that one's one that they that they like a lot of people recommended. But yeah. the story grid, the the actual grid part, I don't give a fuck about. But yeah. the way it helps you structure stuff is fantastic. Okay. I hope she come back with one of these two books. Otherwise, I'm gonna feel like man, I got the wrong. Book. She'd be like, man, those those books are terrible. Don't read that shit. No, no. The books are fantastic. It's my ability to, uh, you know, process it and use it for this one project seems to be the problem. Right. You should have got uh, an air fryer. Like that would have been a better hobby. <laughs> you know what? Then you put the books in the air fryer. Yeah. Heat it up. You're good. You get. You absorb the knowledge. Six minutes. You you flip it. It. The knowledge. The knowledge flows into you through Here's this. Here's my recipe for air fried books. <laughs> Save the cat is a great book. Save the cat really. Um, just the yeah, concept of save the cat really it was like oh shit that's it okay <laughs> and for those of you there tanya check your cards we did say air fryer we actually oh, said it we didn't say it on the last podcast we actually said it on this podcast yeah that's true hey by the way uh there's a whole lot of whiteness for a usually black podcast today is it white boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah but we're all wearing black we're all yeah. wearing black 
Except for the white Randolph. Guy. Randolph's but my, white. But my shirt says I'm black every month. See? It seems like it was coordinated somehow. <laughs> Technically, I'm white Hispanic. Um, <laughs> I'm actually Persian. Yeah. So, so, so I feel like I've been a little bit boxed in. Um, what are the books? Okay, so the main this is the this is the best one that I think is that for me was the one I learned the most from, and it's like really simple. Okay. It's Sid Field. It's called Screenplay. Okay. So Sid this Field. one like really lays it out for you, and the way it's written, I just thought it was like a really easy read, and I go back to it a lot. And then Save the Cat, obviously, that's one everybody likes. Mm-hmm. And then if you really want to get into detail and Slow down. Give me a second. Okay. <laughs> so screenplay. We to the library. Yeah. <laughs> screenplay like, by Sid Field. Oh my god! This technical. These technical conversations are so boring, and then it gets to screenwriting. I'm like, okay, let me get my books out. Uh, white people. Yeah. <laughs> I have saved the cat. Three allies on. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. The other one. <laughs> Sid Field screenplay. Sidfield screenplay. Yeah, I got Save that. Save the Cat. And then this story by Robert McKee. And a lot of different screenwriters have different feelings on all of these books. But if you read all of them, there's something you're going to get from each one, I think. And if you read those three, that's any class you need. Okay. Then- now, if you wanted to talk about just writing, you can do uh, um, Stephen King's book on writing. Mm-hmm. Which is a great book. It's just, that's just about writing. Stephen King on writing. It's just a. It's. I would say it was a technical thing, but it's. I mean, I get. Look, if you read Stephen King, then you'll 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 understand it when you start reading it. There's this Roy Peter Clark, How to Write Short, mm. which has been very good for what I do right now. He's very much in into um, how to take your ideas and make them into the shortest way possible. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a lot of good little lessons into it and stuff like that. My, uh, I call her my editor, my client, who's an English teacher. She, she recommended that to me, Roy Peter Clark, you know, as far as figuring out how to write short. And he was a big, he's a big one for um, listening to song, uh, thinking about the writing of song lyrics, taking song lyrics and breaking them apart. You know, mm-hmm. take a, take a song lyric that you like, listen to it, write it down, break it apart and really think about it and analyze it and see what you come up with. He's also a big one about get a, have a day book and just write down shit you see or shit that you think is written a certain way, whether it be a piece of graffiti in a bathroom, mm-hmm. you know, I say, uh, DL saying, you know, I should probably write it short. It's everything to 110,000. I have the same thing. So that was part of the reason why I was like, I got to learn how to fucking tighten this shit up. <laughs> fucking... It's good for joke writing, too, I'm I'm sure. Yeah. Joke writing is all about writing short also. Yeah. You know, right. If you're having trouble with your uh, story and need to know where there's holes, I definitely recommend that one right there. Like you, story grid. What it does yeah. is yeah. it really uh, changes the way you listen to, um, for me, the way I listen to uh, songs. Like there's a song called Sundress. Andy, we can't play music anymore, can we? No. 
<laughs> you see how quick you said that? No. Yeah, I mean, we'll get kicked yeah. off of YouTube for sure. A song called Sundress by, by Coco Brown and the Fat Cat Players. And the lyrics, it's just a poem. It's just this guy doing a poem over a dope beat. <laughs> and it's fucking dope. It's just him about how much he loves. Uh, see if I can find the lyrics. Face down, ass up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I kind of felt about Hendrix, though, man. He was definitely uh, poetic. I mean, granted, it's along the lines of Dylan, you know, Bob yeah. Dylan. Which you could see it mm-hmm. as that, too. Well, he was a big Dylan fan. Yeah. 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 yeah I, uh, I, th- I feel like we, I was going to, we all, we've all been like five people during quarantine. Right. You know, we've all had like in and out of hobbies. People were making bread. Right. Like a month. Oh. No one's, I, no never, one's making... I never understood that one. Where did that come from? People. Oh, I got bread. into the bread thing for a Is while. Why? Yeah. Well, because I, well, uh, Unless you're like, delicious. who was bread and who was baking bread before this all started, he was breaking bread and bringing this to the draft house. <laughs> yeah, but the, but the thing with bread is that it takes forever. <laughs> so, like, and, what better time? Yeah. To hmm. sit and make bread because you because you got to let it rise beforehand, and then you knead it, and then you and you just got to you have to be home for a lot of hours to make it. And I feel like the healthier version of bread is the kind you make at home rather than anything you're buying at the store. So I, I got into that for, for like two weeks, by the way. It wasn't like a lot. <laughs> I got three loaves done. That's bad. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. So I, I went through a bread phase in quarantine. I, yeah. I did a lot of reading about making bread more than the bread I actually make. Right. Right. I'm, do, I'm gonna try and do some of this. I'm not gonna do it any I'm not gonna do it the justice the way this cat Coco Brown does. But uh, he starts with the soul of your femininity fits you just like that dress. You see, I don't need to see designer clothes, silk robes or fishnet pantyhose, because to me, that sundress you wear is the next best thing to you naturally. Just about any color will do too, cocoa brown or a light shade of blue, if it's all right with you. Because to me, I just want to see the way it holds you, envelops you, teases your skin like the wind, enticing the hell out of me, caressing you so close, but making you look so free sundress days months even millennia after i saw you in that dress images of your behind still danced in my mind leaving little imprints of that silhouette of you against the horizon in that dress oh this is real you see that parking lot might as well been a field of daffodils because not one car that my mind let my eyes see just the sun moon brooks and streams and the soul of your femininity See, just shit like that. I'm like, God bless the sundress. How did you come up? Oh, that's not even the whole shit. That's that's that's. I heard that. I was like, what? I wonder what Brandy's talking about. (laughs) What was she wearing? Yeah, wait, what brand was was it? Can you tag it on Insta? I don't know if I have a sundress that does that same effect. You're like, that's just that's just a commercial for a new (laughs) a new line. How about about this, Elena? Yeah. Some people write songs. Some people write jokes. How about this, Elena? As you stood upon that balcony, I reached for you as I fell to my knees and in a soft, trembling voice, I begged God, please, please, please let Mother Nature send me a gentle breeze. Let it flow swiftly from the evening sky past my rise and list that dress ever so gently from her thighs. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'd like to thank that north wind that blew, quenching my imagination's thirst as the wind, her hair, and that dress played a three-part harmony, singing beautiful chords in the key of L to my mind. You ready for that? Man. <laughs> I gotta buy a blue dress. 
Hell, I could be as cool as the wind. Matter of fact, I can be that breeze that flows from the evening skies that gently lifts the dress from your thighs and touches your thighs. Or I could be the water in that thunderstorm that gets you in your dress wet yet makes you feel warm. Or I could be the sun in that dress that touches your moon and sets the light of fire to this dark room. This dude is talking. This is another thing I'm like, this is... I don't know how he wrote this, but I was like, I need to figure this shit out. <laughs> I need to figure this shit out. Yeah, he wrote it. He was like, if I don't get laid off this, yeah. I mean, I'm quitting, man. Yeah. I'm quitting. Oh, I'm Andy's go a good job. looking guy. Andy's a good looking guy, too. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> and then it segues right in the face down ass up. It's perfect. Yeah. It goes yeah. right no, into I don't it. think he's a face down ass up guy. I think this is oh face to face. He's more if, face to if face. You're bringing this to the heat. You're not a face down ass up. You don't need to be. Don't get me wrong. Face down ass up might be where he wants to be, but he ain't saying it. I've got the lyrics to face down <laughs> yeah. ass up right here. He's got yeah. a super freak. That's much more slick. <laughs> here's here's a couple lines from Face Down Ass Up by uh <laughs> by Two Life Crew. <laughs> Now, I, I don't know. Um, I don't remember the cadence, so I'm just going to just read it dry. <laughs> I'm looking for a bitch to spend the night. There you go. Right off the bat. Topic <laughs> sense. <laughs> there you go. Right up top. Just like, we're going to start off. Right short, start you guys. Right, right here. Short. Get to I mean, right here. How many Tinder profiles start with that? I'm looking for a bitch to spend the night. Next line I'm not sure about. Do the crazy thing while I fuck all night. Now, first of all, he is rhymed it, night it, with night. Is it fucking the crazy thing? It says do the crazy thing while I fuck all night. What's the crazy thing? That's what's scary. That's a, just That's some, something scary. else. Am I missing something? Maybe while he's fucking or she's cutting herself. I, I don't know. Am I missing something? I've been in this fuck game a long time. I don't know what. <laughs> what the, what's the and crazy? he also rhymed night with night. Which I don't. I feel like that's bad that's, I'm looking for a bitch crazy. to spend the night doing the crazy thing <laughs> while I fuck all night. And then the next line: I make her do things like nothing before, and when I'm done, she'll always be sore. Huh. Um, well, at least the rhyme was four. Are you? Are you wet? Are you getting wet, Amy? Elena, a little moist, a little bit. Oh, oh yeah, with this. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies in the chat room, is this doing it for y'all? <laughs> Got y'all moisten up a little bit. Well, wait, <laughs> Got you in your wait a minute now. We haven't even gotten. Is this, we're not even five lines into this thing. <laughs> Look at Shay. Shay, yeah, Shay, Shay, I, Shay. I need Davis to hear the, the rest. chat room says she's late. What are we reading? We're reading the we're reading yeah. a uh, the Poems. readings of that great poet Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and two live crew, Luther Campbell. This this verse is actually from Fresh Kid Ice, it turns out. Oh, Fresh Kid Ice's verse. Okay, yeah, even better. This is his verse. Um <laughs> next line. Um oh after we just met, we just established she's gonna be sore. Oh, we got okay, so she's sore. Always, always sore. Never always. recovers. That's a given. That's she never recovers from this. Thing. She's never it's gonna be a permanent condition for her to be sore. Uh from the things I do when I'm fucking and when I'm tired, the bitches are sucking. Now, I don't know, like, <laughs> so you, I get, I get what he's, okay, so he's going. Oh, boy, spoken word poetry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so at some point he's like, hey, look, I'm tired. Can you start sucking or something? Like, yeah. I'm just tired. <laughs> I wish, breather. I wish dudes were that up front. I wish guys were like, you know, can you just do this? Cause I'm tired. Right. Just like, yeah, 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 bitch. Yes. Yeah. They're just like, I'm just, I don't have it in me anymore. Okay. Read, yeah. It's read just, a my little, heart's racing right read now. A, yeah. read, a, 
read a lyric, Andy, and we'll do. Well, a, I, I gotta get to the next line. Well, First, we'll do a cut. We'll do a line for line. Go ahead. But the, the next line has to be said next, though. Go absolutely. Because this first part was very romantic. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, looking for a bitch to spend the night, do crazy shit things while I fuck all night, make her do nothing like nothing before. She'll always be sore. Um, okay. So now all the women listening are like, I'm, I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. Next line. <clears throat> a double team with a friend of mine. Luke's in front and I'm behind. Okay. <laughs> so wow. now he's just invited Luke. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, like, now it's a train. Okay, yeah. by by comparison, Coco Brown, uh, forget the rest of your wardrobe. You won't need any other clothes. You can wear different shades of me, Coco Brown, rain, sleet, hail, or snow. Can I be your sundress? Would you wear me as an envelope as I envelop your soul, caress your mind, tease your skin, just like that wind? But where's the other guy in this? Wait, what? Uh, he never yeah. invited <laughs> someone else into the picture. Um, Coco this is- Brown sounds selfish. Uh <laughs> This is what I'm not sure about, too, with this fresh kid ice verse is he starts it with I'm looking for a bitch to spend the night. And then halfway through the verse, a double team with a friend of mine, Luke's in front and I'm behind. Is Luke spending the night also? Like, or do you make Luke leave afterwards? How about and again, Coco Brown, my hands like that cotton blend on your hips, my lips like the ends of your garments as I dip to kiss your knees. Okay, well, you feel as free as hummingbirds above the trees this is like a rap battle right now <laughs> yeah um oh yeah well how about this just riding you like a pony when you suck my dick making me horny everywhere i go you could wear me because with our minds souls and bodies intertwined in these fields of posies and dandelions your earth your wind your water your fire i could be if you just like that dress ladies you choose to wear me then all of a sudden we'll switch positions, prop your ass up and freak the pushing. And when I come, you'll hear me roar. I'll treat any bitch like a whore because it's the way I like to fuck. <laughs> it's By the way, this is the best way. To, this was fantastic with Randolph reading that part and Andy reading. <laughs> it's face down and ass up exclamation point. I hope there's someone in the chat room that this is their first day. They're like, what the fuck's going on? Days, months, even millennia after I saw you in that dress, images of your behind still danced in my mind, leaving little imprints of the silhouette of you against the horizon in that dress. Oh, this is real. I like that line. Oh, this is real. Oh, not really? Real that's as, real? Not as real as these boys over here, but go well, ahead. Let's hear it. Brother Marquise has some real shit to say, too, in verse two. <laughs> okay. Now, when he said that, did he have his sling on or was his arm just hanging by his, <laughs> hanging by his uh, That part, I'm not sure about. That part, face down so you can avert your eyes from my arm. Um, verse two starts face down, ass up. That's the way I like the fuck, which is also the hook. And then he says, I like the butt. It's my favorite position. <laughs> that's not, It's not a position. The bus's not a position. I mean, it's a body part. Yeah. Like, okay. Anyway, the so bus's not a position. <laughs> right. It's. I mean, I guess I. I he he wants it centered in the situation. I get. I, I think I know what it, he likes. The face down, ass up part because the butt is his favorite position. And then he says, <clears throat> "I'm tired of the front, <laughs> so that's why I'm bitching." Flip flop it, baby. Bend your ass over in a full house spread. Let me hold you, Marquise, a raw dick motherfucker. Okay. Virgin mouthpieces, the best dick suckers. I disagree on that. 
I well, it's like Greg in the chat room is saying, "Tell EU that the the butt's not a position." A they dance. weren't saying it was the position. They were right. saying it was a dance in praise of the butt. But your backfield in motion. <laughs> your backfield's in motion. Um, By the says, way, I saw me and brother Mark, who has been dying his beard for whatever reason, every other day. Uh, oh, he's him. in that phase of quarantine. Like y'all that's his. Yeah, he's he's reached <laughs> the the dying of the beard phase. We went and saw uh, Two Live Crew on a um, on a club tour. It was the second version of Two Live Crew, okay? Because there was two versions of Two Live Crew. This was the second version of Two Live Crew. That two concert, point, was a two point Live Crew. That concert <laughs> lasted about, but well, it lasted right up until the 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 dancer slash stripper sat on a dude they pulled out of the audience. One of his one of our brother Mark's friends, by the way. Took him out of the audience, took him on stage, and sat on his face. That was the end of the show, right there. Just because that's illegal. Uh, yeah, it's kind of illegal to put. At least in this country, in Amsterdam, you can do sex sex acts on stage. You can't really do that around here. Okay. <laughs> so wow. then, like the cops came in, basically, or or what happened? Cops were there. It was just shut down. Really? He had, a, he had a young man's beard and mustache too. I was like, you gonna have to. Get away from me, dog! With that, <laughs> with that fishy smelling mustache of yours. Go on over there now. Get out of here. Because <laughs> the dancers came out, they got they got ass naked like immediately. Just, I mean, they're Luke dancers. They, they, right. got, they got ass naked immediately in the club, which I don't even think that was legal. Probably not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Two Live Crew. Two Live Crew is fan. They were like the first. They their their album was like the dirtiest ever to come out at that time, wasn't it? Aren't yeah. Well, they, they like, had they had a couple like al before they like before the big controversy. They had at least one, I think, a couple albums that were like incredibly explicit. Yeah. And then they started getting all this Remember controversy. The, the first song was "We Want Some Pussy." That was like the yeah yeah yeah. That was like the first one. That we were that, all singing, including girls, by the way. Let me just, like, <laughs> we were, including girls were singing yeah. this thing. And then they that got, high school for me. they got arrested. That's when they got the big controversy. And then they put out the band in the USA album. I yeah, think. but that song was, that song was whack. But that I think as nasty USA. as they want to be was the one yeah. that had me so horny on it. And that's when they really, that's they, the one. Yeah, they got yeah, big yeah. enough to where they had, they were controversial. And then band in the USA came out after that, I think. Yeah, the the album cover that isn't it like just ass on the front or something. They, it, I remember because like in all the MTV documentaries that came out when I was a teenager, it was like that was the first one, and that's like the reason. Weren't they the reason that they put like exp like parental advisory? Isn't that because of? Well, I will say this, and I, so. I agree with I agree with Roy Wood on this. Is that he said at one time, um, you know, Luke took on the government, and he won. <laughs> <laughs> like they were trying to ban him and he, he beat the government like, uh, and because of that, uh, the government can't censor artistic content. And they were like, I don't care that you don't like it. The The compromise was we'll put the advisory on the album. Right. That right. was the compromise. They right. wanted it to be stopped completely. <laughs> right. And he beat the government. <laughs> um, well, Luke got sued. Brandon in the chat room saying Luke got sued by George Lucas because he was stupid enough to call himself Luke Skywalker. You can't fuck around with George Lucas. He don't yeah, play you can't. That's to say, it's, I remember, uh, who was it that used that Steely Dan hook? Um, 
for uptown. They oh, use this song for uptown. Uh, Lord Tariq and Peter Guns. They took all, yeah, they took all their money. That's what they do for everybody that samples them. Yeah, they don't they don't fuck around. <laughs> they don't fuck around. <laughs> you know, Donald Fagan doesn't fuck around with his music like that. <laughs> as nasty as they want to be, though, which had me so horny on it. Um, there was a clean, they made a clean version. That was Luke's whole thing. He's like, if you don't like it, you can go get the clean version. It was called right. as clean as they want to be. Every album they made, they made a clean version of it. Right. The mm -hmm. fuck shop was the funk shop, for example. You're right, 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 right. Um, the track listing for as nasty as they want to be, uh, Me So Horny was the first track, and then put I don't her in the book. I think buck. it was the Prince album. I and Greg and Chat room saying Dick it was Almighty. the Prince album. I don't think it was the Prince. I think it was the. I think it was the Luke album because I know Luke. Luke went to court. They went. Yeah, to court. I could. I could be wrong, but I know there was a very big deal when, as far as like explicit lyrics from that Two Live Crew album that like I think changed Gore's, music. Tipper Gore's organization, uh, a few years before that, started. Uh, Darling Nikki, uh, Greg, Greg put in the chat. That one got their attention. Yeah, because uh, it said yeah. masturbating with a magazine. masturbating in a, with a hotel in a mass. In a, in a yeah, and um, that's what got him. Yeah, <laughs> pretty yeah, tame, well, right? <laughs> pretty tame. They just needed they just needed Luke to come in with yeah. these lyrics. <laughs> I thought that was bad. Seriously, yeah. uh, this is what it says for Darling Nikki on Wikipedia: American social issue advocate Tipper Gore reportedly co-founded the Parents Music Resource Center (PMRC) in 1985 because she witnessed her daughter Karenna who was 11 at the time, uh, which is the same age as me at the time, uh, listened to Darlin' Nikki as examples of what they meant. PMRC published a list of 15 popular, quote, filthy songs with Darling Nikki first. PMRC would later become known for leading the use of the well-known parental advisory sticker on album covers. That was their later thing, but started with this. And then the 15 filthy songs, Darling Nikki was the first one. Which is a great song, by the way. Uh, Sheena Easton Sugar Walls. Right. Uh, written written by Prince. Yeah, he's got the top two. <laughs> oh, wow. he's, Excuse Prince me, is, written by Alexander Nevermind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Prince is dominating this list so far. Yeah. <laughs> um, number three, Judas Priest, Eat Me Alive. I remember that. I remember I, I remember they one. took they took the lead singer into court and he had to See, he was like, "You want me to just to say the lyrics?" <laughs> and he was like, "You want me to just just say them?" He was like, "I'll sing them." <laughs> so he he sounded like, well, "I remember that." Is that What's Lenny Bruce thing? Name? Yeah, uh, Rob Halford. Rob Halford. Yeah. He was like, "You want me just to say the lyrics?" Is that what you, really oh, okay? <laughs> you know, Lenny Bruce had a thing about they would read his his jokes in court, and he's like, "No, I got to listen to some cop." bomb with my act yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> write down his jokes and go to court and like recite what they wrote down um number four on this list they didn't want to explain like difficult shit and other people's like different uh, artistic takes to the kids <laughs> yeah. they're, all, they're all reading it the way i just read two life crew lyrics <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's the that's the courtroom rendition yeah. um Okay, so the filthy 15 songs. We had Prince, Sheena Easton, then we had Judas Priest, Curveball. Number four, Vanity. Yeah, again, <laughs> written by Alexander Nevermind. Uh, <laughs> Prince has got was, three out of the four songs right now on this list. The song wow. was Strap On Robbie Baby. I don't remember Vanity's music. Um, number five, Motley no Crue. No one song does. Was Bastard. Uh, that was the Motley Crue song they picked? Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is 85, so I don't know if, if they had. Fine. Yeah. And put out the uh, girls, girls, girls yet, maybe, but um, number six, ACDC, let me put my love into you. <laughs> okay, that's kind of tame. 
Yeah, that's pretty. Love is, I'm like, that's your dirty mind. <laughs> Tame is coming on the list. Okay, next up, <laughs> Twisted Sister. We're not going to take it for violence. This is not sex. Really? The Motley Crue one was violence. Well, Judas Priest was sex he, and violence. He went and testified. D. Snyder. He was yeah, there. He he's a smart guy. He's, he didn't take yeah, that shit. He went and testified too. Um. So that was a violence. Was the reason for that? Uh. Some of these are sex slash violence. Some of them are just language. The next one after Twisted Sister, this is even more ridiculous. Madonna dress you up. Stop for oh sex, sexual content. Gonna dress. That's a great you up song. Dress love. you up. Great dress you up's a really good dance song. Yeah. Are you saying they just put one song in that they thought totally sucks? They're like they just name it and they're like, yeah, it's just because it sucks. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> the category is it sucks. So this one is sex. This one's violence. This yeah. one's language. This one's uh, just a bad. We don't like the chord progression mainly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the next one is wasp. I don't remember wasp animal. You don't remember wasp? They were they wasp. were a. Um, Oh, they're a metal, they're a metal hair band. I'm trying to say who they were a yeah. knockoff of. I guess maybe Motley Crue, maybe. Striper? It was four dudes. Well, Striper would be a, a, a knockoff of Wasp. <laughs> like that. I remember Wasp. The next song, number 10 on the list, Def Leppard, High and Dry, Saturday Night. The, the reason, drug and alcohol use. That's a tame song from them. They have other songs. Right. Def Leppard was ruling at one point when I, but that was, that was middle school for me, eighth grade. Yeah. Def Leppard had a good run. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one, Merciful Fate into the coven. And the reason is occult. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, God. Still a little bit without satanic panic bleeding into everything. Yeah. And then Black Sabbath is number 12. Black, the song is trashed. Also, drug and alcohol use is the reason okay. for that one. Uh, um, I was waiting for you to go Black Sabbath because black. And then they. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there in the name. Yeah. <laughs> Next one, number 13, Mary Jane Girls. That's a, so, uh, now that's a Rick James special. The song In My House. In My House. Sex. Yeah. <clears throat> the number 14, Venom, with the song Possessed for okay, a Venom. A Venom would be Wasp 2.0. <laughs> Venom. They were better. They were better. Yeah. And then number 15 on the list of the 15 songs, Cindy Lauper with She-Bop. Oh, my. Okay. For sex slash masturbation. I don't even remember the lyrics to She-Bop, but I would have to say no. <laughs> just, just on principle, I would say no. no. I think they were intentionally trying to cover different genres for this uh sounds like universe. it they were yeah. trying to be equitable there not one not one country song on there you notice that yeah that's it because there's, there's drug use and country songs. there's all alcoholism over country, all there's over a country. lot of alcoholism in country <laughs> all over country music um the lyrics is she bop i just pulled them up let's see if there's any okay well i see him every night in tight blue jeans in the pages of a blue boy magazine okay so maybe there's a magazine oh here we go next verse hey i've been thinking of a new sensation i'm picking up good vibrations I'm still See what not she's seeing doing? it. Vibrator. It's a vibrator magazine. I mean, if you you could make that leap, but you also couldn't. You see what I'm saying? It's pretty. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty far fetched. <laughs> well, let me continue. Uh, and then she goes, "Ooh, bop," or "She bop, she bop," whatever. Do oh, I want to go out with a lion's roar? And then she says, "Yeah, I want to go south and get me some more." See, she's okay. We're painting getting, a picture we're here. Stronger. Again, it's all innuendo, though. Yeah. 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 Exactly. What child would know what that means. Exactly. <laughs> Man, 
I was kind of hoping Andy would slide in some two live clue lyrics. Just this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Compare and contrast. like, Luke don't do innuendo. Coco Brown does innuendo. Right. <laughs> Luke don't do yeah. innuendo. Too short. No innuendo. <laughs> All right. Read, read Captain Lou Albano's part of the song, though. That's where it gets started. All right. Cindy Lauper, Shebop. I'm looking for a bitch to spend the night. <laughs> the crazy thing while I fuck all night. <laughs> oh my god, Cindy! <laughs> I had no idea. I was a kid. I didn't. I didn't know these lyrics. <laughs> no wonder they Mom was angry. Yeah. You guys haven't read the lyrics of "Time After Time." It's like <laughs> flip flop it, baby, bend your ass over. I'm a full house spread. Let me hold you. <laughs> time after taxes, time. This place hotel. <laughs> that song's about fucking in a hotel. <laughs> this place hotel. Yeah. Heartbreak oh. hotel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the PMRC was trying to give us a little bit of everything. Except yeah. country music. Isn't that weird? What is I that, guess the rap was still pretty young. They didn't pick up on Chuck Berry's My Ding-A-Ling? No? Nothing? <laughs> no. Yeah. That's basically an Adam Sandler song if you listen to it these days. Nobody My shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Nobody did that? Violence. Yeah, exactly. Talk about <laughs> violence. Yeah. yeah, Johnny Cash is really popular in yeah. prison. Uh, but we're not uh, the, they had a Senate hearing. This was when D. Snyder. Um, yeah, I on. remember him going and talking to that. Too. Frank Zappa and John Denver also were there. Senators Paula Hawkins, Al Gore, and others testified. Paula Hawkins presented three record covers Pyromania by Def Leppard, WOW by Wendy O. Williams, and Wasp by Wasp. Oh, shit. Remember Wendy O. Williams? <laughs> I don't remember when her. Wrote, no. no. She was like a rock, she was a rock singer. And then about, they also presented the the music 45 video. Forty-five minutes. <laughs> the music video for "Hot for Teacher" was one of their exhibits. And that's we're not going to take it. I remember, yeah, that video. is that's a very classic video. <laughs> that that video was everything to me video. when I was younger, man. Oh, I still think kids today, if they had the hots for their teacher, you playing that video, they're like, "That shit spoke to me." That yeah. spoke to me. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's that really good? it. Really went deep, man. Yeah. What about um, Centerfold by Jay Giles Band? That, that song never That's didn't true. Hit. My uh, my angel yeah. is a centerfold. That video had girls just doing cartwheels in miniskirts. I imagine they didn't have trouble coming up with a bunch of songs. I think narrowing it to 15 was the long conversation. Yeah. A lot of sleepless nights on that one. But I mean, they could have gone I mean, with a lot of Jesse's songs. And I mean, it's right there. Jesse's girl. Jesse's girl. Jesse's girl. Yeah, there you go. It's about infidelity. <laughs> so it's about infidelity. We can't have that. Yeah. So the senators were like, let's leave that one alone. Uh, right. <laughs> we're actually kind of into that one. Yeah. 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 Billy Jean uh, is about having children out of wedlock, you know? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's not touch those. <laughs> yeah, but he, denied it. he denied it. So, you know, well, we're going to believe him. So Billy Jean was the one time Michael Jackson said he didn't want to touch a kid. Yeah. That's the, the one time. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Not He's on record touching, saying, it's not about he, touching Andy. It's just I want nothing to do with that kid. <laughs> Billy Jean is Michael Jackson basically <laughs> absolving himself from wanting to have anything to do with, with children. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why wasn't that? Why didn't he bring that up more? It might have been Luke who, who instigated this whole thing happening. Maybe. I don't know. There's know, a tipping point. Luke yeah. got a lot of credit for it, though. And it was a weird mix of artists coming together, like John Denver sitting, sitting, sitting by D. Snyder. 
Yeah. Know? Well, he yeah he he probably had some some getting high references in his songs. You know, that's you like know? people when people think about the Smothers Brothers, they're like, oh, they were just these. I'm like, these guys were really subversive at the time. <laughs> you know, if you listen to the songs they were singing, they were really like subversive, anti-government, anti-war dudes. Yeah, they just wore fucking tuxedos or look like a fucking barbershop quartet. Right. But again, that's that thing of white doesn't think white is is say why would they? They're good boys. Look at them. They're 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 good. They're white. <laughs> <laughs> they wear bow ties, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they're white. Don't forget that. Yeah. Mom's got a yo-yo. I mean, <laughs> good. Elena, you didn't grow, Elena, you didn't grow up here. Smothers Brothers were a uh, a comedy to some back in the um, six two brothers mm-hmm. they both play guitar they sang folk music extremely subversive oh but, really but they look like two clean of the cut. whitest dudes you'll ever see in your life clean cut well, that's how they got away doing white all that dudes. stuff yeah extremely that subversive though you know like on on level of subversion with bob dylan <laughs> you know and they sang mm-hmm. folk music yeah, and they they would gotcha. sing funny. They, they had a television show, and they would sing funny songs talking shit about the government, but they got away with it because, <laughs> again, no one suspects white. Right, right. <laughs> Especially marketed that way. Yeah, they knew it. They played up to it. They knew it. Yeah, they are. There they go, right there. They're just oh, like green cover was fantastic. Yeah. Was, they look familiar. Yeah. Smothers I want to say they would bring black acts on too. They were one of those type of acts, one mm. of those type of shows that would bring a lot of black acts on. Mm. Are they still alive, the Smothers Brothers? Oh, you know what? You know what happened was um, they brought the Doors on. <laughs> the drummer, he had packed his explosive into the uh, into the drum. That's kit. the Who. Is the shit? Thank you. It was the Who. And he, that was on the Smothers guess, Brothers show. Yeah, it was on that show. I don't know if, it, but I know he lost his hearing in his ear because they like they double packed it. Pete they Townsend, put, uh, his one of his ears, the hearing got all. Yeah, they put up. too much explosive in the drums. It happened on their show. No one was booking the Who at the time. They booked them. They were like, "Yeah, we'll book." Uh, them. What is explosive? I thought you meant like actual explosives. And actually, yes, they Hold put on, an I'll, explosive in the drum kit. I'll pull up it was the video. Supposed to like blow on. up at the oh, end. Oh, oh, like a pyrotechnic type yeah, of. But I like think somebody a, put too much in it. Um, blew out the the thing about it is that I also think that Keith Moon, uh, the crazy drummer of the who, yeah, he was nuts. <laughs> didn't tell the other guys he was doing this. <laughs> oh, that's part of the story. So yeah, the video and is, there's, up, a, but, there's a part at the end where one of the Smothers brothers comes back in and starts destroying stuff. Also, <laughs> it was like, yeah, cause they oh, would, really? they would destroy their instruments. That was yeah. kind of their, their act. Oh, uh, here's the video of the, of the drum set explosion. Um, they're already in the, in the middle of destroying everything here. Mm-hmm. Boom! Oh my God. <laughs> Look at where Pete Townsend is standing. I mean, Pete Townsend is right here. He's the songwriter. You, he needs his ears. He oh writes everything God. for this band. He is the who. Yeah. Oh, Jesus oh, Andy, let's see if, if, if. And then the, 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 the smother, run, let it run, Andy. Okay, hold on. It's only, this, this clip is only 30 seconds. So there's that. And they're all fucked up. 
The explosion caused a momentary breakdown in transmission across America. Pete Townsend claimed he was left permanently deaf in one ear. And a fine symbol sliced into the moon's arm. And he broke that. <laughs> He's smashing this other's brother's guitar. <laughs> then he stomped on it, too. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, is that him, like, trying to help? Yeah, yeah, he was on it, too. <laughs> And you know what? And and musicians didn't learn from pyrotechnic accidents even then. Yeah. There's been a plethora of them, you know. Yeah, yeah. James Hetfield. He got got lost track of where he was on stage and walked through a flash pot, 3,000 degree heat. Boom. Oh, really? I didn't know about that. Yeah, he lost track of where he was on stage and just walked through it. Boom. Ended up having to go to the hospital. And then he was, how long was it after that, fellas? Like a year? Well, the rest of the without, tour, they continued the tour without being able to play. You know, they had the guitar tech play the parts, and he sang. Right, and then yeah, I don't know when he James was Hadfield able. just went just singing. He just sat there and yeah, would sing. No, he, say he would walk around stuff like that, but he had like a thing on his arm. All this side of him got burned, his whole right side. So he had oh like his God. arm. You know, yeah. uh, his arm was wrapped up, lost his hair. You know. And I'm, wow. I'm not saying that you need to bring it from explosions and pyrotechnics down to like just poppers of confetti and shit. But you know, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's something a little safer than just kicking your drum and having it explode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Somehow he lost track of where he was on stage. That's all. Like, yeah, because yeah, right Metallica there. has pyro at all their shows. Well, I went to a I went to a Foo Fighters show where Dave Grohl was in a throne because he broke his leg. Well, that was the broken ankle. Off. The broken ankle tour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he fell off the stage and he. Played played the video for everybody at the concert. He was like, this is what happened to me. And he's literally like just walking on stage, playing his guitar and singing. And then he just walks off. Michael Jackson had a thing of one of the one, I think it was a BET performance. He didn't remember the time. And the day before they were rehearsing it, he twisted his knee. So when they did the performance, he just sat on a, he sat on an Egyptian throne while the people danced around. It was killing him too. Cause at one point he actually stood up with like his leg, popped up like a crane and kind of did the arm movements with the dancer and he sat back down. Yeah. <laughs> Dave girl actually went to the hospital. They set his leg and he came back and finished the show. He did. Yeah. yeah. The, the, hey, the you show guys wait. I'll be leg. back about 20 minutes. Give me about 20 minutes. I'll be right back. Just yeah, don't go nowhere. The hospital. <laughs> I think that, I don't know if the opener came out or they, they did some, the drummer sings. They did some covers mm-hmm. and um, Dave Grohl came back like a half hour, 40 yeah, minutes. I'll be later. back. Just yeah, give me about 20 and minutes. Gotta go get a shot. Popped up on painkillers. Running sure. back. <laughs> oh my God. Get a shot. Hey man, show must go on, right? Yeah. <laughs> Rock out, dude. <laughs> I'll be right back. Just give me some time. That was a big thing about James Hetfield was like um, Guns N' Roses was on a tour with them. And they were like, you know, they had to stop the show, obviously. It's like, you know, Guns N' Roses could have came out and saved that show. And uh, uh, Axel was like, ah, fuck that. (laughs) Well, Guns N' Roses were going on second that night. So Axel used to always make the crowd wait like an extra hour and a half because he was a diva. Mm. And they were like, you know, he could they could have come out. You know, the crowd was unruly because the crowd got really unruly after that yeah. show. Yeah, the dude damn near the dude damn near burned himself apart for y'all, and y'all are mad. Yeah. Fucking get out there! I didn't yeah. pay to see this. <laughs> so Guns N' Roses just didn't go on. I think they ultimately didn't go on, or yeah, I don't remember the, the how crowd went berserk. Down, the crowd, crowd went, went a little nuts. Um, <laughs> it was a, it was a whole thing, but that was that that because that was a huge tour. It was the Metallica Guns N' Roses joint 
and they hated, that's what and and headfield was like they hated it yeah because metallica was very like um they're very precise they're that well those are two really different bands like yeah, every, well, they're everything very, that they stand for those yeah they're very, very precise about we got to be on time we got to give our fans a show we got to show starts at 8 30 we got to be on stage let's go you know, right that's yeah. the, they're professionals let's just say it like that and 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 it's it's all Axl Rose and Axl Rose wasn't <laughs> right. Yeah. Either way, both those bands, there's a lot of ego. Yeah. Yeah. In both those bands, a lot. So sharing a stage, I feel like either one of those bands that that doesn't that doesn't fly. There was the other super tour that actually never happened. Was I think, I think it must have been the mid the late '90s. It was uh, Rage Against the Machine was going to tour with Wu Tang, all of the Wu Tang members. And like it just, mm. I think it fell apart before it even started. That's <laughs> a good think, show, but how do you get all the Wu Tang? I think Ray, I yeah. think the guys in Rage were like, yeah, they they were kind of not as tight with with their no, operation. That's a good show, but you can't get them all. Yeah. All of them? Well, you you're never gonna get all of them. I saw them at Lollapalooza in '96, and they weren't all there, but um, most of them were there. I think mm-hmm. you gotta go get you go get. You get Ray. You know, let me think. Who do you? Who do you? Who has to be there? Method Man has to be there. Method Man, RZA, Ghostface, Raekwon, Ghostface. Okay, so that's four. <laughs> I feel uh, like people are maybe Jizza too. People aren't going to miss Liquor certain source. people. That's fine. You don't need Master Killer. Capadonna. You don't need. Ten. How many are them total? Nine. Nine. Ten ish. You don't need Inspector Deck. What do you need him for? <laughs> he he has the best opening verses though. Oh, you God! You don't need you God. Yeah, you God. Um, Inspector Deck. That's the thing. Like, you need those. That's why you need like the four. Like, gotta have Meth, Rizzo, and Ghost. You definitely yeah. have to have those three. And Raekwon, I was. And saying. I'm saying Jizza too. I don't know if you need Jizza. I think you can, get, you can get away without just Liquid Swords. He's got a, he's got versions of Liquid Swords that are yeah, but they're not going to play any songs from Liquid Swords. Yeah, I guess probably they're going to play their most famous songs. And if Inspector Deck isn't there, someone could do his verse on Cream. You know what I mean? Like yeah, someone else can do it. But I don't know that anyone's singing. I wish I wish they would play that Jizza song. I, I mean, what percentage of the fans are going to be like that? I don't know if you need Raekwon, but. Yeah, he's the thing is, say, what about old dirty? You're not gonna get old dirty there. Good no. luck. <laughs> Even before he died. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Good luck getting him there. Tell him his food stamps are there. He'll show up. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing is, you would literally have to like put like a, it would have to be like a Reese's Pieces thing. You'd have to put down little treats for him to follow along. To get the food <laughs> yeah, stamps, baby. Just put little food stamps down. Not the EBT uh, card. The actual stamps. Just put the food stamps down. You guys tricked me again. <laughs> just leading up to a microphone oh shit <laughs> i'm on stage again <laughs> yeah do your verse <laughs> all right play Brook- brooklyn zoo we'll do it <laughs> fine <laughs> what is this thing that andy about comedy central what, what is this comedy central um let me pull up the article some people who have worked there some black employees i don't know if they're former employees at this point or what but they sort of uh they're talking about this not so great racial dynamic at comedy central huh um comedy central has a black statute problem employees say they were pulled into meetings for no reason other than being black even as network showcase diversity on tv okay now i need to know what that even means 
they explain it. It would just be like, oh, we need a, a black guy in this meeting, you know, just to have. Oh, you've got to be fucking kidding me. That kind of thing. Um, <laughs> you, you motherfuckers. <laughs> motherfuckers. Black former Comedy Central employees say they were sit in the chair. <laughs> unnecessarily pulled into meetings to showcase diversity. Some past employees say they were expected to, pr- to provide the black perspective for their white colleagues. Insiders say it's time for Comedy Central to make the company as diverse as its content. Now, there are a few things um, in this article, but this first little anecdote. January 26, 2020, Kobe Bryant, his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna died in a helicopter crash. The next day, a black assistant for Comedy Central's in-house creative team was still reeling from the news. I could barely get on the subway, she said. I was crying and honestly really shouldn't have gone to work that day. She managed to make it to the network's headquarters in New York. When she arrived, she was immediately called into a daily meeting. Chris McCarthy, president of Viacom CBS's MTV Entertainment Studios, had emailed the team that morning, instructed them to publish content memorializing the Lakers legend. Why the fuck would we do that? Isn't that BET's job? The former assistant said she recalls the VP who was leading the meeting saying, referring to black entertainment television. The VP denied saying this. The quotes attributed to me in the upcoming Business Insider article are, all, are false, as stated. And then well, the, sue, she goes well, on to say, Take it to court, she goes sue. on to say, it was Take a slap in the false. face. Executives didn't understand. And then uh, somewhere in here, you know, the assistant discussed the VP's comments with two colleagues, both of whom confirmed the conversation to Insider. So she told two other people, I guess, that day, mm-hmm. and they both verified that they heard it that day. Read the next her. sentence, Andy. Okay, where was I? Uh, The assistant said she didn't formally report the incident because she was worried it would jeopardize her career and put her at odds with executives at the company. I didn't think anyone would care to listen. Okay, now let me just say this as the black person on this podcast. (laughs) 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 That and anybody anybody black in the chat room, feel free to co-sign, which is pretty much the whole chat room. (laughs) Feel feel free to co-sign this. That is a constant for every black employee, every black person you ever known. That's a constant for us is that daily we deal with stuff. I mean, and I'm, when I say daily, I mean, daily, we deal with stuff like this and we just don't talk. You know who you talk to, you talk to your black buddy, you know, that, that either right. if you're if you, people that you work with, when you in, wherever you go to eat lunch at, uh, you head down to the mail room and talk to the brothers in the mail room. Cause there's always some brothers on there. You can find us talk to, and you talk there, you talk about that shit. You know, that's a constant thing. Just it's a it's a constant that you deal with every day. You know, it's not just us. I'm sure women go through the same shit where some dude says some sort of crazy sexist thing to you. And then you go tell your girls and then but you don't tell anybody else because you because you think the same thing. No one's going to believe me. Mm-hmm. And this person's always going to get the benefit of the doubt. They're mm-hmm. always going to get the benefit of the doubt. Even if you have the evidence, they don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, but how ignorant is like there's I mean, when when Kobe died, like, I think it would be easy to just look around you and there's deaths that affect people differently. And that was one of them that whether you're a basketball fan and definitely black people, the, you, the culture, can see the effect, you could see the effect that it had. And, and it's if you, and, and <clears throat> so you're not one of the people that have it doesn't mean that like you know like god all you gotta do is take a look at the people's faces uh that have that hurt and you should you know you should feel a little bit something for that dude it should be easy to see but meanwhile you can sit in a meeting why would we do that i mean like i don't under 
it doesn't make sense to me. I remember even a Colin Powell talking about that in his book where he would Colin Powell would leave his office and go walk around in the parking garage. <laughs> he would just go walk around the parking garage and then he would stop and just talk to the brothers that worked in the parking garage. He would just sit down there and talk to them for like 20 minutes, a couple of times a week, just because he was like this fuck. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he would just go talk to the brothers in the parking garage. Go walk around the parking garage. What you doing down here, man? Oh, you know what it is. And then, oh, okay. Yo, them, them white. Oh, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> the white boss, huh? Yeah, I know. Oh, here's Colin Powell walking around again. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Tough week, huh? Yeah, and he would just go. Just I can't. I don't want to deal with this right now. <laughs> I just I don't want to. Do, I don't want to deal with these motherfuckers again. And Colin Powell, that's why they they hung him out there. You know, he knows. He, you know. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Greg. Like, like MJ gambling with the security guards. Exactly. It's the same shit. Because even on even on that high level, you still got to deal with this bullshit. Yeah, I think that's where it, I think that's where it gets worse. Imagine yeah. the people Colin Powell's working with, dude. He was always in that garage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Comedy Central put out a statement. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but he's, they said we take these allegations very seriously. And are investigating them. Our commitment is to ensure an inclusive, respectful, and supportive work environment for all employees. And they said it with that exact same tone of voice that Andy just said it. From now on, <laughs> all of our employees will have access to the parking garage. <laughs> all be allowed to go take walks. If you're black and you go take a walk in the parking garage, five white employees will come with you so that you'll never get away from them. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking um, ridiculous. So this article goes into basically this, you know, the typical corporate culture. Uh, well, that's culture. really that's really what you're talking about. We're not talking about Comedy Central in particular. No. We're talking about corporate America and by extension America. You know, that's what we're really talking about. And I think that they're under the the backdrop of Comedy Central has done all these progressive things. Yeah. Um, but so has the rest of America. At least that's right. what they say, but they don't really mean it. Don't make me say NFL. Don't, well, don't it's just me, like, you know, don't make me all, pull up blackhead coaches. Don't make me pull that up. We've all seen the in um, general. We've all seen the Huffington Post pictures where it's like, look at our diverse room. And it's like just a bunch of white women. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's, that's, that's diversity. That's a little bit of diversity, but that's not, you know, where's all the black people or brown people? Yeah. Um, so it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> You can be progressive in your mind, but you can have blind spots, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and often the people in charge in management are going to be the ones who, you know, don't notice these cultural things. Or if they do notice, they don't do shit about it. Well, it's uh, such a good example of, I think, also uh, just diversity and entertainment as a whole, where it's like, oh, the entertainment industry, like we're diverse, we're liberal, but only on certain channels. And right. only in certain places. And this is a perfect example. It's like, well, Kobe News, that's only for BET. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. No, that was for the whole culture. Like every yeah. everybody covered it. Yeah. <laughs> you could not. How are you going to not cover it? What are you, stupid? Right. I don't know if you know this, but on one of your your most famous shows, it was a whole sketch. Kobe, it was a whole. Yeah. It was the punchline of a sketch. Do you know that? Do you not watch the shit that you put out? <laughs> Dude, there's probably yeah. somebody in that office that probably took a shot in the trash can. I was like, Kobe, and they still didn't even see it then. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? This is this is one of the, the 
anecdotes about being tokenized. A former design coordinator who is black recalls recalled being asked to appear in a 2018 internal video promoting Comedy Central's culture club clubs, culture clubs. Uh, the design coordinator who was 22 at the time said she was walking down the hall with a white colleague when the creative director working on the video spotted her from her from his office. He only asked me to specifically if I wanted to be in the video. He didn't even know my name. The former project manager who worked for Comedy Central for four years said she was periodically pulled into meetings in order to, quote, create the illusion of diversity in front of comedians of color. She said she would often be asked to provide what she called a black perspective. In February 2020, the vice president of Brand Creative rushed into the project manager's office minutes before a meeting about the comedian Phoebe Robinson's upcoming show, Doing the Most with Phoebe Robinson. She was like, I really think you should be there and said it multiple times, the ex-manager recalled. It made no sense because I wasn't doing any of the work on this project and there was only supposed to be one project manager at meetings. But all of a sudden, it was really important for me to be in the room. When the project manager arrived at the meeting, she realized it was centered on reviewing research from a demographic test of largely black women. She instantly felt uncomfortable. I guess they needed a black person to help explain things. Guess at one right. point, I even had to explain what the three-fifths clause in the Constitution was because a participant oh, brought it up. Jesus. Jesus. Uh, the white project What's manager. What's that? Three-fifths? You know who the only one who could get away with saying some shit like that? Elena. <laughs> you ain't from here. Why would you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why would you know? Four toddlers. That's What's it. this three-fifths thing? That would be the question you would ask. What's this three-fifths yeah. thing? Oh, let I don't me explain know. that to you. <laughs> let me explain that to you. <laughs> oh, that's right. You didn't grow up here. Let me explain that to you. <laughs> oh, let me let me explain that to you, Ilaria. Yeah. Let me explain that yeah. to you. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> three feet. Three yeah. feet. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> why is he worth all And then, and then you're just there kneading dough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just making bread. Yeah. No, it's tortillas. You remember, the, you remember the story, the uh, Wyatt's story about John Stewart, which I fully believe happened. Oh, Wyatt's an act. Yeah. 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 Elaine, you know that story? I don't know that story. I told it on Marin's podcast that. Um, John Stewart was doing this sketch about somebody and he wanted to do um uh what was it? it wasn't step and fetch it it was another black comedian's voice John Stewart wanted to do this black comedian's voice basically a black person's voice mm-hmm. and Wyatt was like yeah, that's not a good idea <laughs> because you're you're kind of doing a caricature of black people you don't want to do that you just mm-hmm. you don't you don't want to do that and John Stewart yelled at him in the meeting like, you're saying I'm racist? How dare you say, I'm not saying that you're racist. I'm saying is that you brought me here to give you this perspective on things. And I'm telling you, this is going to upset black people if you do it. Well, I don't care. And he was like, fuck is your problem, man. You know? Wow. It hurt Wyatt so much that he went outside across the street, sat down and cried on a bench. And again, as wow. a black person, everybody black listening to that is like, oh, I get it. Because yeah. you're like, I don't know. I can't. Who do, who do I talk to about this? There's no one I can talk to about this. You know, so he quit. He, that's why he quit. Mm-hmm. He left the show. Wow. Sure, like maybe I don't know the length of time after that, but that was the thing. He was like, "I'm done. I'm done." And wow, then he talked about that. it on Marin's. He talked about it on Marin's podcast. And then John Stewart later reached out to him, like, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize you felt like that." I'm like, "Yeah, because you're an obtuse white man." At the end of the day, you just, you are. <clears throat> 
you know. And he was like, "You're I, one of the people I, I wanted. To, I wanted to be host." And wow. like, well, okay, yeah, but I mean, like, I think it just hard. also. It, I know it sounds weird, but I thought he took it like, like personal because it was something so sensitive for him. But I was like, dude, you know, they, relax, take your shit out of this, and it just. You know, listen right. to that person. You know, right. if you have right. him there for that kind of reason, uh, right. it probably that should outweigh. You know, your oh man, I can't believe people saw me like that in this one moment. You know, right? It was right. a Herman Cain impression in the podcast. Thank you, Mr. Sinek well, described. He was events. To, but he was going to do this voice. He said he didn't say step and fetch it, but it's oh kingfish. Now here's That's what he said. It. Yeah, Mr. Sinek compared Mr. Stewart's impersonation to the kingfish. A racially stereotyped character from Amos and Andy. Right. That it struck him a little weird. For days afterwards, a Fox News channel, a frequent target of Daily Show, seized on Mr. Stewart's imitation and criticized it as racist. When Mr. Sinek later tried to discourage Mr. Stewart in a staff meeting from pursuing a further segment. Like I warned you. <laughs> it would take up the Fox News criticism and catalog all the stereotypes he'd exploited in his impressions of polit politicians. Mr. Sinek said the host kept shutting me down. And then he got upset and he stood up, Mr. Sinek said. Um added that Mr. Stewart, this is New York Times, everybody's Mr., uh, shouted expletives at him several times. The argument continued, and Mr. Snack followed Mr. Stewart into the host's office and could be heard throughout the building. Mr. Stewart later apologized to his staff of Mr. Snack, who was at the time the only black writer on The Daily Show, said he felt disrespected, though Mr. Snack remains, remained with the program for one more year. He said he was alienated and miserable and never felt comfortable during the remainder of his time there. That was it. You're done. Yeah. You know? That was a tipping point. And we've That's all hard. been there as a black person. I can't say anything to you, you know? And the only reason you think you can talk to me like this is because obviously you're the boss. Because we were on the street or in a comedy club. You wouldn't talk to me like this. Yeah, Because <laughs> the that fear would be that I'd knock you in the next fucking week. <laughs> yeah. Fred, John Stewart shouted expletives. Like you're not going to speak to him like that. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Shouted yeah. expletives several times. And then they went to his office and probably shouted some more. He, he definitely did. Why I talked about that. He yelled at me. Everybody could hear it. Yeah, you, know, you just got to take it. Fuck John Stewart. I, I've felt like that ever since then. I was like, well, fuck. But that. then, and you're hired, of course, to give you know the black perspective. That's what you're here for. Convenient, right. and then when you feel like you're, when you're helping and making a difference with that perspective, you get shit all over. It's just that's got to be the shittiest feeling. Right. So you walk away. Huh. What are you gonna do? Um, you know, a good game to play is, and every time Two Life Crew says fuck, you 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 say fuck John Stewart. <laughs> um, so for example i'm looking for a bitch to spend the night do the crazy thing while i fuck john stewart all night yeah. <laughs> that would be crazy i make her do things like nothing before and when i'm done she'll always be sore from the things i do when i'm fucking john stewart there you go that is crazy <laughs> after, really stewart, immediately after trump got elected john stewart was like he was on that you can't blame trump voters they're all not racist i remember that immediately after the first Trump election, him saying that. I'll treat any bitch like a whore because it's the way I like to fuck John Stewart. Fuck John Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> and then they did that thing where I think wasn't Stewart getting some sort of he had a show and Wyatt went on it and they had a little awkward back and forth on on the show. Yeah, they, like, they did it as like a sketch when daily when John Stewart was leaving and they sort of they patched up basically is what I would have loved for Wyatt to say so we cool? No, yeah. <laughs> we're not. Double cross, and we're not going to be. So don't ask me again. Matter of fact, I didn't want to be here, yeah. <laughs> but I went ahead and came. Fuck you and your crew. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Yeah, they brought him in for like one little bit uh, when right. Shanak appeared. Because on, everybody on knew about it at that point because of Marin's podcast. Yeah. yeah. And everybody knew it was true because John Stewart was like, I apologize if he felt that in any way. I'm like, you apologize for the way you talk to him, not because of the way he felt. He felt that way because of the shit you said, buddy. <laughs> That's why he felt that way. This is interesting, too. So here's the story. So Stewart. So why snack came in like as a, you know, like a via satellite segment on the final daily show. Um, the bit was very brief. Snack appearing just outside of the show's studio. However, he was inside the whole time behind the green screen. Stuart asked if Snack was coming in. Snack said, very matter of fact, he might. I'm thinking about it, said Snack. I got some balls in the air. Stuart then asked him, you good? Snack responded, yeah, I'm good. You good? Stuart responded, yeah, I'm good. The you good is a sly reference to Marin's podcast. The comic usually asks his guests following a lengthy chat, we good, as a way of making sure the two are leaving the podcast on good terms. Interesting about that, John Stewart will not do Mark Maron's podcast because they're not good. And yet, oh. Mark Maron's podcast is what caused this to happen and the two of them to have their are we good moment. Um, years ago in the in their old stand-up days, I think Maron, Maron has a rep from those days of you know stepping on comedians' toes and being a little bit prickly with them and John Stewart was the victim of that and uh, never really forgave Mark Mayer for the way he treated him or something, you know, 25 mm. years Has ago. anybody else noticed how <coughs> Marin doesn't seem to have any problem with black comics? It's only white comics. <laughs> Has anybody else noticed that? I've noticed that. Like, he has these problems with, with, with white comics. Never had a problem with a black comic. And he knows plenty of them. It's not like he doesn't mm. know black comics. He knows plenty of them <laughs> that he's well, very... Yeah, the the thing with John Stewart was specifically because they were both like, they were both hosts on Comedy Central, um, short attention span theater and whatever, and then they were both like young Jewish comics in New York, and John Stewart kept getting things, and Marin was in the same lane not getting things. I think he was a little bit bitter and jealous, but I wonder if maybe Marin treated com or let his jealousy and bitterness out toward comics that were like him. Because he felt like they were getting things that he was wanting or and felt entitled to. Whereas maybe a black comic, he didn't see that because they were in different lanes. It could know. be. In his mind, anyway. It's all in his mind. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't know. I've just I always noticed I'm like, you don't got a problem with black people. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of these things when I hear people talk about problems, I'm like, the way y'all are describing it, that don't really sound like <laughs> a whole Lot of I mean, I, I've told, I don't know if I told on the podcast, but I've told Chad, you frozen? when I worked. Uh, uh, no, 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 go okay. ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> when I worked, <laughs> Chad, Chad was frozen. I was like, Chad, are you frozen over <laughs> I've worked with Marin three times and he's never been a dick to me. I know. And I've got a chance. I've to seen him do things that some might, some might call being a prick to other people, but I felt that those people deserved sort of, it. <laughs> sort of invited that. <laughs> right. And, and so I kind of, I'm like, well, I, I don't think he was being an asshole there, but I know the guy who he was talking to will now tell everyone that Mark Maron was an asshole to him. Right. Um, uh, right. Well, was was that white? Was that person that felt he was being an asshole white? Because percentage wise, yeah, probably probably is. He yeah. was white. Um, it was a whole thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but it was a thing where because of the the fact that I've worked with Maron. I mean, it's been since 2013 was the last time I worked with him. It's been a long time. But I, I'm an agreeable person. I, I tend to get along with people. And I'm like, oh, he's not an asshole. He's just a regular dude. And I'm just a regular dude. And like, there's no comedy ego with me, generally. 
And, mm-hmm. and so maybe I, that disarmed him, but I never saw that side toward me. And I always felt like I understand why he was doing that toward the people I saw him do that to, which is only like one time. Um, and you know, maybe he had an anger problem. He's talked about having an anger problem and all that. I don't tend to make people angry. So maybe I would have never felt that wrath, but I've always felt like he's just a regular dude, you know, not, yeah. not a prick. John Stewart seems like a weirdly prickly guy. He might be. I mean, I've heard that ever. He's a regular he's dude. He's an too. average height dude, Greg. He's just average height. Greg said, how tall is Mark Mayer? I think we're like the same height. He's, I'm yeah. 5'11". Just an average height guy. Yeah. He's not, he's <laughs> he's nothing that you'd be like, yeah, that motherfucker is tiny or damn, he's tall. You need mm-hmm. one of those. Just, no, he's just a regular, <laughs> just a regular size dude. Average mm-hmm. height. <laughs> he just looks like a regular guy. You look at him like, he's a regular dude. Well, one time when I was at Black Cat with him, afterwards, it was me, you and him at the bar talking. Right. He was just a regular. It was just a regular conversation. Just a regular guy. There was no like weird standoff. And it wasn't like a weird thing. Like I don't drink, so I can't be with you guys here. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. him and Andy. I drink, so I had a drink, and then we just sat at the bar talking. Just right. Mm-hmm. Just a regular dude. Talk about music. He likes to talk about music. You know. Right. So. Hey, there was a time that people felt uh, Dave uh, Attell was extremely prickly. Uh, no, there's uh, nothing prickly about it. When he was drinking, he was kind of distant. <laughs> Yeah, distant. Mm. Yes, yeah, and you yeah, project things on the people who are distant. Because when right. you're an insecure comic, you're like, "Does he not like me?" And it's like, "No, maybe he's just in his head right now." Yeah. And when he was one time, uh, a friend of ours opened for him, and at the Improv in DC, and then the staff used to go to Lucky Bar a lot after shows, mm-hmm. and you know, Tell would go with them and all that. And this comic went to Lucky Bar with Tell and the staff, and then he was. Just talking, trying to talk comedy with Attell. He was, he was just like, oh, I like that one thing you did or something like that. Just general comedy, small talk. And, and Attell goes, look, kid, I like to turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like a prickly kind of, it wasn't like a joke. It was like, a, at least that's how he received it. He was like, oh, man, he was kind of mad at me or something. Mm-hmm. But since Attell stopped drinking so much, there's been no stories like that. And even back then, it's like. You know, maybe he was a little prickly or maybe every comic in every town wants to talk comedy with him after the show. And he just wants to go hang out with the staff. Right. And if you don't talk comedy with him, guess what? He's the nicest guy. You can be right. Right. Yeah. He can otherwise, too, by the way, he can pontificate on a lot of different things. <coughs> you know? mm-hmm. Otherwise, it'll just force him into, uh, you know, we went one time after a show and he like bought everybody around, but went and chilled with himself at the bar. And I was yeah. like, that is just probably the water torture of town to town to town, having to sit there and talk shop with all these other. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going to just do this and find my way out of it. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, but if you do talk to him, he'll fucking talk to you all night. Yeah. <laughs> you know, He was a guest on our podcast once. Yeah, he did our podcast. He was? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Miller was opening a quickly. improv and Tim quickly said, agreed, quickly agreed to it. Quickly. Said, hey, yeah. You want to do our podcast? We, we, we got, we got there between shows on like a Friday or Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And we just set up for like 40 minutes in the green room and he did our podcast. Oh, it was the counter currents way. That's, yeah. that's yeah. our whole <laughs> podcast. Pre pandemic. <laughs> yeah. And he was the nicest guy you could be about it. He was right. very nice about it. He was talking, mm-hmm. this is when Dave's old porn was out and he was, you know, basically, mm-hmm. We were asking him a lot about that. He was plugging that, but you know, he said yes. He didn't say I like to be alone, but between shows, guys, get out of here. It was you know, he gave us his time. Didn't have to. That's cool. Right, right. That's cool. 
Yeah, I'd a like, lot of I'd like to know how Stewart was in a green room. I'd like to know that now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to read too much into that. He might have been a normal guy in the green room, too. Yeah. Um, I never knew him. I, I never, John Stewart was already a TV host by the time I was opening for people. Tanya's so saying it. I don't know if Tanya, if that, is that you drinking Chardonnay? Tanya in the chat room is talking about Chardonnay time. Is that you drinking Tanya Chardonnay? <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's her cat. <laughs> Yeah. She goes, yes. <laughs> well, uh, yes. Quickly. Yes. Quickly yeah. answered. Well, that doesn't surprise me about about um Comedy Central because like I said, it's more of, that's an America thing. That's not a Comedy Central thing. Yeah. Why would yeah. they be different? Yeah, it's just under that backdrop of I thought they do progressive things. No. Well yeah, again, just like the NFL, right? Right. Like the NFL is gonna have this the, our little poet now, Amanda, go out and do poetry. Amanda Gorman, mm-hmm. she's not. She's going to come and do. A, I guess she's going to do a poem. I'm like, please God, let her do a poem about the lack of black head coaches in the NFL. Please, <laughs> please do that, Amanda. Put her mic. You know, I'd yeah. rather see that. But it's but it's the illusion of diversity. The NFL's whole diversity push has always been an illusion. It's not real. Those owners don't give a fuck about diversity. Why would they? They don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. Not for real. Not on the levels where it counts. No. Mm-hmm. No. Not yet. Ain't, ain't going to be. Because is anybody going to stop watching? Because that's it. That's the only lever you have against this. And no one is going to take that step. That's right. Well, there, I do think that there is some erosion. It's not going to happen, uh, Chad. Stop it, Chad. Stop erosion it. Erosion and aging. <laughs> stop it's, stop it's, it, Chad. It's not gonna uh, change. I don't I don't know the future, but I don't it's know. Not gonna, it's you. not gonna change. You, it'll change. It'll change, but I think it'll be a really long time. It's not gonna change. Why would it change? Take take the Dallas, take the Houston Texans. Houston okay. Texans got rid of their, their fucking their fuckboy owner, that old man. Well, his kids took over. <laughs> and mm-hmm. they're fucking up, they're fucking up that team the exact same way that that fucking racist ass guy did. Why would it be any different? You'll mm-hmm. you'll have outliers. You'll always have a Dan Rooney or an Art or an Art. What's his name, Andy? From the uh, Al Raiders. Davis. You'll have Al an Davis. Al Davis or Dan yeah. Rooney. You know, and Dan Rooney was a guy who was committed to diversity. Very much so. But Very Dan Rooney so. was also committed to continuity of a product. That's they only have the Steelers have only had three head coaches ever in the history of the team. You mm-hmm. know. That there's a reason for that, <laughs> you know. They're they're a solid organization, and they're committed to diversity. Al Davis just want to stick a finger <laughs> in the eye, preferably the middle, <laughs> in the eye of the other owners, which means, oh, you ain't gonna hire black people. Fine, I'll fucking hire all of them. I don't give a fuck, you know. Just, mm, mm, mm. Which is fine by me if you if that's what it takes. Go ahead and do it. But the rest of them, they don't give a fuck. Why would they care? People are still well, gonna buy the product. Well, the, I, there's. There's like like I said, there's small erosion and aging out of some stuff. But I mean, look, you know, I'm not saying it was the. I never thought Goodell would admit he was wrong about the Kaepernick thing. I think it's a bunch of shit that like it even had to be that. But it's just the the fact that he was like, yeah, we we fucking wrong. You know, I, I never thought. Goodell, he I think I don't think, I think Goodell does want the progress. I don't think Goodell is the sticking point. But Goodell works for the owners. It's 32 people. That's who Goodell works for. They're the ones who pay him. So whether he likes it or not, don't matter. Whether whether he wants things to change or not, don't matter. 
through. Yeah, through that, that's why you're seeing a lot of you're seeing a lot of um, first Andy Gorman speaking, Jay Z getting pulled in and stuff like that. You're seeing a lot of the I call that cosmetic diversity. It's not it's not real. He can't make them hire black head coaches. Uh, no, we no, can. He can't. we can, but we, yeah, yeah. we, I say we, the public, but we won't right. do what's necessary to make that happen. And the thing that's necessary uh, to make yeah. that happen is for us to say, you start doing this, or we're not watching this product. Yeah. Well, and, it's, and it's because of the strength of the product. Like, well, I do still want to watch football, but I mean, that owner is every day seeing the moves done by Goodell and then seeing what is being said in the social uh, media platforms. They don't care, it's man. Just, they don't care. Don't care. They don't care. That's you gotta you understand. Being, that's Chad, you being hopeful. Chad doesn't want to stop watching I know, football. I know. That's <laughs> you being hopeful. <laughs> they don't care. You've never seen any history of them of them showing you anything other than what you see now. Yeah, I, well, look, I don't know Never. why I still have this hope. Okay, I mean, I look because you like football. Because you like football. That's right. That that's yeah. why. Yeah. Stupid that's optimism. Why. That's me, though. That's me. That's why. <laughs> that's, as as Reggie is saying in the chat room, we see the people they're hiring. We see what's happening. You you can't lie with you can't. What you see is what you see. That the evidence is what it is. It's not going to change. And, what, and uh, this is so early, especially when you're talking about social media platforms and things that can be influential. Change, uh, but here's Them the thing. owners is don't give gonna... a fuck about social media. They don't give a fuck about it. They don't give a fuck no. about any of that. Well, they don't give a fuck about any of they that. They give a fuck about winning. And here's what's going to happen. The league is winning. They're, they're going to look back and they're going to be, for all those times, the enemy gets passed up and, and, and they don't find the next Tomlin or all that stuff. They're going to have these white coaches that are just failing like a motherfucker. But, and that's, then, a, but that's the thing, Chad. They don't care yeah. about winning. That's not true. It's not true. They don't care about winning. They, it's not true. The, the it's owners? Not, it's not true. Um, I'm going to send you a podcast to listen to Bomani Jones and Howard Bryant talking about this, talking about this very okay. thing. Owners okay. don't, they don't really care about winning because the head coaches that have been black their aggregate winning winning and loss percentage is better than white coaches. Right. That's the thing. Like, okay. Okay. So if you care, so if you care about so if you care about winning, then it would make sense that you should have already they don't care. Yeah. What well, they tells don't you what that tells us is they don't care about winning. Not really. What they care about is making money. But winning think, is where you make the most money. I think also it comes down to um what is what like the the they're going to see this they're going to see that the these coaches are losing and these coaches are winning why haven't they at this point you know like like that's for me that's the thing is like what does incremental progress look like because you can say incremental progress could be one or two black head coaches get hired you know what i mean that's incremental maybe but why is it incremental five or six why is it incremental 10 or 11 in a league that's majority black? So that's the because thing too. Because racism like, is that powerful. That's well, right. Why. But that's, but that's, that's the thing where it's like, it's still a crumb. It's still way overdue. And they're going to, in the future, notice that it's still kind of, to use a football term, punting um, <laughs> to some, some day in the future where everybody's on the same page, but mm. incremental could, could, should be 
even greater than just one here, one there. Just someone getting an interview is considered incremental. Why isn't 20 people getting interviews incremental? You know, mm -hmm. like it, it's they're so far behind on this that incremental should be a lot more than even just this B enemy story is one guy. Only one guy has gotten to the rank of, of offensive coordinator that could be considered for head coach because the pipeline to get you to that point is cut off. And so everything about the pipeline be, is everything about the pipeline is a lie. There it should be changes. 10 Eric B enemies in the league is what I'm saying. Like they, they, there are every year five to 10 white coordinators who are sort of being whispered about for head coaching jobs. They don't all get interviewed that year or get the job, but there's, you know, there's so few even black coaches who get the resume, who get the pedigree to even have this, have their name trending on Twitter as a, an example of the league's racism. But the fact that there's only one name trending itself is an example of the league's racism because there should be 10 black coordinators every year in those conversations. If they don't get interviewed that year, if the job's not right, they decide they don't want to leave anyway or whatever, that's different. But even getting to that point where the resume says can be a head coach soon is impossible, nearly impossible. And so we're talking about the one guy who got there. Maybe a couple of years from now, another guy who got that far. Like, why don't they get even in the mid-tier coaching ranks move up to that point? Like, so, if you notice, if you notice, it's always, you know, who is it that tends to be black? Assistant head coach, defense, offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, special teams, coaches like that, right? Those people tend to be black. Well, the reason why those people are in those jobs is because the head coach hires those people. See what I mean? Yeah. But who hires the head coach? GM or the owner? That's why. <laughs> you understand? Ooh, the head yeah. coach hires his staff. So if you've got a guy, and Andy Reid is a good example, you know, who's like, either Andy Reid's like, I'm just hiring, I don't give a fuck. I hire whoever the fuck I want to hire. But it makes sense because you play in a league that is 70% black. So it simply makes sense that there would be more black coaches. It just mm -hmm. makes it just tracks that way because there's more people to choose from. Therefore, I'm going to hire this person. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it's the owner that hires the head coach. And the owner hires a head coach for so because you hear this one a lot. Well, they hire who they're comfortable with. That's the owner. You know, you hire who you're comfortable with. You just hire who you can talk to. So you understand what you're telling me when you say that is that they're not comfortable with black people. That's what you're saying. Do you get that? People don't even see that part of, of that statement. Well, people hire who they're comfortable with. So you're not comfortable with black people. Say no, that. So you're going gonna to go after the comfortable championship? Is that what you're going lead, for? Lead your, <laughs> lead your conversation with that. Don't say that they hire people that they, what they won't do is hire people they're uncomfortable with and they're uncomfortable with black people. Because if you say that, then you have to say, well, why are you uncomfortable with black people? It can't be that they that they don't win, considering that the if you just look at the win percentages through analytics, which you all love, by the way, the leagues are like, we love analytics. Okay, well, the analytics say hire black people. <laughs> That's what the analytics are telling you. Or, I'm not comfortable going forward on fourth, though. I mean, at or, any time. Yeah, I like using my yeah, gut, mostly. Yeah, or it's... Um, you, we hire people who can who can rally men together. So you mean to tell me that an older black man, I'm saying older as we're just using a typical what we see in a coach. So an older black man can't talk to about a, about a, a lot of younger black men where seven out of 10 of the guys on his team are black. 
An older black man can't do that. That's what you're telling me. It takes an older white man to to rally uh, young black men. Is that what you're telling me? Well, just because that's what you saw, that doesn't make sense either. No, doesn't even translate like out even outside. Like you're telling me, if you're doing something fucked up, you're not going to do like the Chappelle bit, and the old black man jumps out. He's like, "Don't do that. That's bit That's bad. Yeah, right. yeah. Is that what you're telling me? You know. So Reggie's Reggie in the chat room is talking about the Detroit's. Uh, they hired this white dude, Dan Campbell, who on paper, I, I don't know what his qualifications are, but he hired a whole black staff, you know, but that's Dan hiring that staff. That's not him. And by the way, if that team sucks next season, it's going to be blamed on that staff. <laughs> oh, no, the team you want to suck is the Eagles because they hired a white coach that apparently has just white coaches that look exactly it's like them. fucking crazy. It's fu- <laughs> they hired a coach who didn't have a suit for his for his interview. Right. He didn't have a suit for his interview because he was on vacation. So what did the owner and them do who were interviewing him? They dressed casually to make him feel comfortable. Oh, they're all I sitting don't in there know no black person them. who gets that kind of treatment. I've never even heard of that. If you're a black person and you've got an interview and I'm on vacation, you better take your ass to the mall and get you a suit. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the first shit I would be thinking. Guess I got to go. Well, I don't got a suit with me. Uh, give me about an hour so I can go get me a fucking suit. At oh, least, man. He's... At least I'll be dressed from the waist up. You're, fucking, <laughs> you're in J.C. Penny. <laughs> yeah. I don't even need the suit. I just need the jacket <laughs> and a shirt. Yeah. And, and a you don't tie. even need to cut off that tag because you're right. not going to be showing your arms. You just just put on the blazer, a tie. You got the tag still on the sleeve, so you can take it back. Right. Just yeah, don't, do don't do this. Just right. don't do this. Keep don't do that. You never see my cousin Vinny. You never <laughs> see it. even Pesci did the right thing and to make the <laughs> something. Get a fucking suit. Not this dude. He told them, look, I don't have a suit for this interview. Oh, hey, no worry. Well, we'll you know, so they dress down for him. I'm like, I don't know. No one black. Who would even think to do that? He's walking around like in Coles and he's like, I got a NFL head coaching interview. Can you guys got suits? They're like, yeah, over there. Help yourself. Now, Aubrey is saying that Eric Bieniemy is not a good enough hill to die on. That's not true, Aubrey. It doesn't matter who the person is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Eric Bannemi doesn't have anything in his past that would prevent him from being a head coach. You know what Eric Bannemi has in his past right now? A Super Bowl ring and another Super Bowl appearance. <laughs> okay. And lots of yards and touchdowns. If that don't get you uh, just uh, brought in to talk to somebody, there's something wrong. And there's, there is something wrong. Well, there's also this push to look for the perfect victim of racism before you can acknowledge racism. Right. You know, and so there's 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 always that going on with like, well, he's not the right hill to die on. He's not the perfect candidate, but that's that doesn't necessarily nullify yeah. everything else that all the other hurdles he's had to deal with. OK, I, here's the real question. Say that Eagles coach that didn't have like how extreme can we take it? Like what if he was on an S&M like vacation, like a retreat, <laughs> like on real sex, internet, like like leather shit, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll just dress in that." <laughs> hey guys, I'd like to do my interview face down, ass up. Yeah, and they're like, "We're all okay. We'll all get face down, ass up too." Yeah, in John Stewart. <laughs> I'm at a furry convention. Uh, okay, we yeah. got some suits. <laughs> okay, we'll put on some furry mascots too. We'll get our mascot in here. Come on, Philly, Philly fanatic, come on in. You can. You want to do the interview? You want to conduct the interview, Philly fanatic? Oh, it's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous, dog. And it's, it's 
but it's no different than the rest of America. That's all. It's the same. It's the same corporate shit we see across America. Where we're going to say we're going to be diverse. We're going to say this, but when it when it comes to it, where the rubber meets the road, we're really not. Mm. Unless, like Elena, and I've talked about this a lot, is like the the lady, the lady who got the lady who got hired at NBC, who's now director of programming at NBC, right? She was hired because the new president of NBC is a Latin man who came over from from uh, Univision. He ran Univision. He ran Telemundo, I think. He ran a couple. They brought him over. So you now have a Latin man at the top, and he promoted this black woman. That's what it has to take. And she, believe me, she was more than qualified to get this promotion as he was more than qualified to be the president of this, of the network, you Mm -hmm. know, but she had been there before he got there and they weren't thinking about promoting her. (laughs) You know what I mean? They weren't, they weren't thinking about promoting her. It took him being there for her to get promoted. Reggie put in the chat, uh, the Eagles uh, coach clip. Did you watch that? Oh, that guy, that fucking dude, man. Last week we watched. Last week, I watched the Lions coach. Yeah. This week, dumb head coaches. I mean, it's hard, it's yeah. hard for us now to talk. Sh- it's hard for me now to talk shit about this dude. This dude is that Lions coach is doing his part. <laughs> you know? And Lions coach was like, "We're going to take out a hunk of their kneecap, right. and and we're going to have a bucket at the sideline. You all drop your hunks in there, yeah, or you're the not." Bro- on the, the brothers bus. he hired were like, "Hey, that that knee biting thing. We're not really doing that, are we?" <laughs> you can't get on the bus unless you have a hunk of your opponent. As this, is the, this is the no suit guy right here. This is a no this suit guy. Yeah, yeah, this is no suit guy. And this no, is he's, his... the, he's the guy on the bottom. He's the second clip. Right? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> oh, the little kid. <laughs> um, this guy was, uh, I think this is his first press conference as the Eagles coach. I believe that's what's first going First press conference out the gate. And okay. he's going to be a leader of men. Okay. okay. So let's, let's see how he leads. Next thing that's very important to me is that we build a smart football team that we have a smart football team here. And I know we have the, the people in place to do that. The first part of that, the first part of being smart is knowing what to do. We're gonna, we're gonna, know, we're gonna have systems in place that are easy. It's like he's giving a book report, but he hasn't read the book. Yeah. And then, and then the guy comes home and then like, there's, there's this guy named Atticus Finch and like, and then he comes over and then you'll, and you got to see it, man. You got to see it. And then we're going to know we're going to have systems in place that are easier to learn. All right. Complicated what? to the defense or like offense that they're going against or the special team. He's just called his team stupid. We're going to dumb the shit. It's like already a guy who, okay. I'm systems not, that are easy to learn. Because this guy we, is insane. Makes we you want to run through walls, doesn't he? Doesn't he make you want to run through walls? We we like. Let me make this easier for you guys who made it to a professional football team. Let me make football easier for you to understand. That's going to help us a lot. It's me yeah. especially because I have trouble. Yeah. Make it easier for those seven out of ten players on the team that don't understand. If you know what I'm saying, if you know what I mean. Learn. All right, complicated to the defense or offense that they're going against, or the special teams group they're going against, but easy for us to learn. Because when we can put that, because we when we can learn our system and we can get good at our system, then our talent can take over. Less thinking equals talent take over. But we need to have systems in place, and we will have systems in place to do so. Next thing is <sighs> well, you have systems in place. Less thinking. It's like a Trump speech. 
Oh my it's god. Like, it's like a Trump interview where he's just making shit up. <laughs> Less well, thinking and the bad. talent can take over. Does he know how he sounds? What we what we have here is a talent. No, he knows around. how he thinks he sounds. We have a talent to catch balls. We have you know the talent to hit people. We don't have the talent to think on this team. That's one glaring weakness on this football team. Thinking. Yeah. <laughs> This is the exact opposite of when they see a black coach up there and he goes, he speaks so well, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, in summation, we're going to have complex. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Sim- easy, simple. Uh, Did I mention system? <laughs> uh, what we want is our players to understand what the fuck we're telling them. Jesus I think Christ. that would help us quite a bit. And what yeah. okay, so this guy sat across from an owner and an owner went, Yeah, that's him. <laughs> this, is, this, is what, this is what I think. This this is him. Yeah, that's this is it. Um, no suit sounds drunk. He's our guy. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. They were probably in the same fraternity or some shit. This yeah. he's a legacy. He's, he's a legacy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Dude, his dad was a coach. He was chapter. a Sigma Chi guy. You know, um, dad was a coach. Bullshit like that. And then he hires he hires all his frat brothers. Yeah, yeah. Of to course. come in and coach this team. You know, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be giving pregame speeches. <laughs> he's gonna be like, all right. <laughs> so, uh, let me. I just every time I talk, I get I get short of breath. Just we're gonna just go out there and just think about this, guys. Just think about what it's not gonna. Going. It's not gonna change. There's no simplify reason yourselves. Um, the, more than know, corporate guys. America will change. What you'll see, what you'll see is, um, and I don't call this incremental change because incremental change means that it's getting better and better and better. You'll see sp- a spot changes. What I'm looking for. You'll see one thing here, one thing here, one Braddock. thing here, one thing here. But that's not incrementally gaining ground. No, you'll see one thing here, 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 one thing here. Maybe. Maybe, and I'm being and I'm being really generous. Maybe, and when you do see a black coach getting hired, he'll be put in the to the shittiest of situations possible. You know, like this brother who just got hired to coach in Houston. You know, he's like 65. You know, I'm here for the check. <laughs> this this is last check. I'm we're going to uh, we're going to simplify our checks by doing direct <laughs> deposit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Our scheme is going to be get the money into my account as quickly right. as possible. And we ain't even talked about college coaching yet. You know, no one watches yeah. college football. What's going probably. on in college football coaching? There, we ain't even talked about that. It's same shit because it's corporate America. It's not even. I wish not even say corporate. America. It's just America. This is yeah. America. It's just America. This is it. This is where we're at. I, I thought this was America. Diversity has to be worked at constantly. That's that's it. Americans are too lazy. And speaking of people who Ann and I put a show together, we worked very hard on making sure we had everything covered on our shows. You know, right. So people look at our list and they're like, oh, they're just picking their friends. I'm like, well, I always say, well, first of all, all my friends are funny. So let me just, <laughs> I got four friends, maybe, <laughs> and each of them are funny. <laughs> so let yeah. me just, let me just say that. I don't, I don't worry about that. So you don't want to go head to head with my friends because you're going to get destroyed. <laughs> okay. That's the first thing. But we made sure that we had as much diversity on our shows as we could with the crop of comics that we had to pull for that were also good enough to make sure we put on a good show. 
because we won't just put shit up there just in favor of having a diverse show. That doesn't do the show any 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 services. But you're going to tell me that I can't find a diverse group of comics? That's dumb. Of course I can. It's not hard. Just like not you, you can't I'm, find blackhead coaches. If you can't find blackhead coaches, that's a choice you're making to not mm -hmm. look. You know, it's a choice. It's a choice you're making. But I'll tell you what. I'll I'll check out that uh, Bomani Jones podcast and All get right, back. Man. You can't. Uh, no, no. I'll I'll check that out. Uh, but you got to make sure you check out that in and of itself on Hulu, dude. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That, that thing that, is just that goddamn Howard Bryant, man. Man. You know, okay. They said a great thing about Hank Aaron. Both of them kind of said an independent each other. You know, when Hank Aaron died, everybody was like, "Well, he's so he's so brave, and you know, he he has so much dignity." So I don't want to hear about his dignity anymore. What I want to hear about is not what he overcame. Let's not talk about what he overcame to play. Let's talk about what you did to him. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about that. You never talk <laughs> about that. What you did to him. <laughs> what you saw to it that he couldn't even enjoy any of any of his, the, all this stuff he overcame, all these hurdles. He never got to enjoy it because of what you did to him. That's the story. Yeah. So, and it's not like he was constantly pushing against the wind. Uh, you know, right. no, it wasn't <laughs> a wind thing. You know, there shouldn't have been a wind. <laughs> that's the story. You know, that's the thing was so when people talk about the dignity of somebody, no one wants to talk about the shit you did to him. <laughs> the, the, the reason why he had to be dignified was because of the shit you did to him. You know, that's the story to talk about. Yeah, not, because that's when, you know, you'll, they're just afraid that it's like, well, I didn't do it. And I was like, no, 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 no. Look, let's just talk about it and let's heal and make sure we get that on, uh, you know, but then again, this isn't one of those facts kind of days, you know, uh, right. era is when people want to deal in that. Yeah. Them days are kind of gone. Uh, speaking Lena, of we facts. lose you again. Oh, I'm here. I just with football, <laughs> football in general. That's that's where I go a little quiet. Well, that's the thing is that it's not so much. It's not a football thing. It's well, the, the greater ideas are the America. Yeah, thing. it's just an America thing. It's just so. But yeah, it's just corporate America. It's um, Hollywood. It's music. It's everywhere. Yeah. Elena, what are your feelings on Subway's tuna sandwich? <laughs> Listen, here are my feelings. Here are my feelings on on Subway in general. My sophomore year of college, I didn't know how to cook yet, and I ate Subway every day, and I gained 15 to 20 pounds real quick, and I was eating what I thought was the healthy sandwich, and right. I gained weight so fast, and as soon as I stopped eating it, I lost the weight, so I, I thought think that was there's like been the... bullshit in there for a while. Now, like, were that's... you... Jared something Fogel wrong was the with whole that. like I walk to Subway. That's vegetable, that's vegetable subs, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His his whole vegetable that soup. whole like oh Subway because we didn't have a lot of food choices around campus, so I thought that would be like the healthiest one, probably yeah. from the Jared ads. I don't, I didn't really know much about nutrition at that point, and like that was terrible for me and real quick. So I'm not surprised that like Subway is has shit in there that's not real food now with your bread knowledge like does it help you see a lot clearer like <laughs> oh that's that's why i gained so much well, weight because, well yeah kind of because all of that it's not real food it's like all made from like powder and all this stuff which leads which doesn't fill you up which makes you more hungry or has like sugars and chemicals in it that makes you crave more sugars and chemicals of the, like that that kind of thing 
Subway's tuna is not tuna, but a mixture of various concoctions. I love concoctions. And that smell. <laughs> you know that smell when you that's go the in bread, though. That smell is the bread cooking. But that's not the smell of bread. <laughs> now, <laughs> that's not what bread smells like. That smell is something that's else. That's the concoction. Yeah, it does. It smells like a concoction. It doesn't smell like bread. Well, yeah, wasn't it some country that wouldn't let them call it bread? It said it was more like cake. Like if the, the ingredients didn't have enough of something to be called bread. <laughs> didn't have, didn't have enough it. goodness. <laughs> Just oh, no one looking at your ingredients. I don't see enough goodness here to call this bread. <laughs> no one puts salami on bread. Yeah. <laughs> Subway describes its tuna sandwich as freshly baked bread layered with flaked tuna blended with creamy mayo, then topped with your choice of crisp veggies. Uh, it's also fiction, a, a, at least partially according to a recent lawsuit filed in U.S. District Court. Complaint alleges that the ingredients billed as, billed as tuna for the chain sandwiches and wraps contain absolutely no tuna. Yeah, the wife likes, here she comes. She likes Subway tunas. I've never, I mean, I'm not a tuna guy, but I've never, I, I wouldn't be able to tell if it was real or not, but I don't even think I've seen anyone order Subway tuna. Representative Basically, of Subway. There's no real tuna? No, well, they're zero. saying they're saying the tuna sold at the chain is wild caught. The company says absolutely no tuna is the absolutely. what the lawsuit says. <laughs> Not even like I you know, like it. they didn't even accidentally drop a little tuna in there, like by a mistake. Um, representative of Subway said said claims without merit. Tuna sold at the chain is wild caught. Bullshit. Uh, only a tiny percent of bluefin and yellowfin tuna is farmed. The star ingredient, according to the lawsuit, is made from anything but tuna. Based on independent lab tests of multiple samples taken from subway locations in California, the tuna is, quote, a mixture of various concoctions that do not constitute tuna, yet have been blended together by defendants to imitate the appearance of tuna, according to the complaint. Shalini Dogro, one of the attorneys for the plaintiffs, declined to say exactly what ingredients the lab test revealed. Well, that's interesting. Oh, no. I'd like to know. Uh, we found the ingredients. Uh, yeah, like goldfish. What are we looking at here? They were no, not tuna it, and not fish. The ingredients were not tuna. No, no. And not even fish. I, the attorney said in an email, the two plaintiffs are identified in the complaint. Uh, they're going to do like a class action ultimately. Um, they're suing Subway for fraud, intentional misrepresentation, unjust enrichment, and other claims under federal and state laws. You know how like sometimes you, you, you go to the grocery store and they have like the frozen wings, but it's like W Y N G Z. It's like, cause they can't call it actual chicken. <laughs> you know what I mean, or like what? Pringles, I think Pringles can't call themselves potato chips. Uh, so there's, it's like potato crisps. Cause it's like other shit. It's like filler and stuff. Um, what's more, the plaintiff's Argus subway is saving substantial sums of money in manufacturing the products because the fabricated ingredient they use in the place of tuna costs less money. They argue they paid premium prices for ingredients they prized for its health benefits. So I'm wondering what what drew them to this? Like, did they always have a suspicion that this wasn't real tuna, or like, how would you even think? Let's take, let's go to a lab and test this tuna. Unless you're like some ambulance chaser lawyer, I guess. Well, I mean, I think uh, talking it's, about this is America. Like these yeah. fast food chains mostly don't serve you actual food. Right, right, right. And this is pretty easy. You take it to a lab and you analyze it. This is I mean, going to be this is going to be known fairly quickly. My point is, why would you even think, hey, t Subway's tuna can't be real tuna? Let's take it to a lab. Like to to take that step. What brought them to that point? Unless they're doing that. Unless they're fishing 
so to speak. <laughs> they're fishing. They're probably taking every fast foods food to these labs to see who they can sue. And then it basically Subway failed the test at the lab. But I wonder if they were just fishing around for places. That, well, dude, that's a that's a huge fail. I'm still trying to figure out what you could use to imitate tuna fish that's not a fish. <laughs> it's what like is, it's uh, weird. It's crazy chemical and stuff. But well, the same thing do, you the same thing you make a McRib out of. They, yeah, they all do terrible. I mean, that stuff is horrible for you. I mean, they that's all not do made that. Of ribs. <laughs> They or all McDonald's do chicken nuggets. Look that what, shit up. What is um? Yeah, what is that. imitation crab be... Imitation yeah, crab meat is that still like some other fish or some other? That's meat, actually it? tuna. It's really weird. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I believe. Oh, no, I was like, no. really? <laughs> According to the Subway's nutritional information page on its website, the tuna salad for its sandwiches contains flaked tuna in brine, mayonnaise, and an additive to quote protect flavor. A spokeswoman for Subway and nutrition information said nutrition information is up to date. Um, so the flavor needs a protector. It needs a bouncer, I guess. Tuna is one of our most popular sandwiches. Our restaurants receive pure tuna, mix it with mayonnaise, and serve on a freshly made sandwich to our guests, said Katie Knoll, Senior Director for Global Food Safety and Quality. Is the mayonnaise real? <laughs> Did it it's a concoction mayonnaise? of other stuff, too. Yeah, it's probably powder. Yeah. Probably powder and water, like all. Whip it all together, yeah. <laughs> way cheaper than it's way cheaper than eggs. The next yeah. time you're there, look at the look at the little disclaimers that they have on that glass that you don't even think about reading. <laughs> you know what you're agreeing to. Yeah, yeah. little disclaimers places. on that glass. There's a reason why the disclaimers are there. <laughs> well, Subway spokeswoman uh, said these baseless accusations threaten to damage our franchisees. Small business owners. Oh, there we go. Leaning on small business owners. Small business owners who work tirelessly to uphold the high standards that Subway I'm so, sets. I'm so tired of that bullshit. All of <laughs> Hurting the small business on, is it? Or is it My sophomore year of college hips disagree. That is not. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is not natural. <laughs> Subway food is. Is keeping nutritionists in business because people well, have to go the there after John's. a while. They got a they got a pretty good sandwich thing going on over there, I believe. Jimmy John's. Yeah. Well, that's more. Yeah, they're they're a little bit more real. Well, you like, just you find see. you just find the mom and pop sandwich shop. Yeah, oh, like Jersey they're Mike's. Using real food. Yeah. But any I, like the bigger the chain, the higher the higher likelihood it is that they're making their stuff as cheap as they can, which a lot of times is from like chemical powders where they can make some imitation flavor. Yeah. And that's it, and give you cheap food. Well, that's not really food. Yeah, I mean, that's tuna is cheap already. I guess. Yeah, how much like, deeper do you need it? I, yeah, I wonder what that's like. What the savings would be on tuna, and then well, it makes me wonder what's in the turkey, what's in the meatballs. Who knows what's terrible. in the meatballs? That's the thing. All terrible. Yeah. Like Randolph said, go to your mom and pop sandwich go to your shop. Mom and pop spot. Yeah. You know, you know just... what? You know who never lets you down. Sheets, go to Sheets, <laughs> go to Wawa. You don't even care that there's real food in those sandwiches. Something about getting food from a gas station bothers me. Same in the daylight, <laughs> but late at night, like well, it's not that bad. You then you'll you'll make you'll make deals with yourself. Then oh, you know, <laughs> it's not that not that bad. It's fine. I mean, you know, it's it's close <laughs> enough. Subway recently had to defend its bread too after Ireland's Supreme Court ruled it apart. 
As part of a protracted legal tax battle, Subway's hoagie-style rolls did not meet the country's definition of a staple bread. See, they they see they lost that. Somebody took that shit into a lab and broke it down. I was like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> nope. It's missing some ingredients. Yeah. And what kind of unstable bread would you like this sandwich on? <laughs> would, you like, would you like this tuna put on? Can I get it yeah. on wheat? You mean uh, W-H-E-E-T? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wheat? Sure. <laughs> you can. Wheat. wheat. <laughs> it's our fun bread. <laughs> wheat. Ugh. I mean, we all, we've all eaten it. You going to keep eating yeah. there? I've had I've never had the tuna, but I've had the bread. Oh, I don't fuck with the tuna. The wife eats the tuna. I don't had the bread though. I refuse. I, I can't go there anymore. I'm I'm particularly traumatized by Subway. Also, that smell. Like I can't I overate it. That smell. I can't even I go that, in there, I'm like, ugh. Nope. Fresh fresh bread, quote unquote. That they've yeah, got like fun. a they've got like <laughs> yeah. a glade fresh bread scented yeah. air fresh. The BMT is pretty good. That's all I can say. That's all I got. <laughs> My go-to Subway order is a uh, turkey with bacon, and then I get lettuce, I get cucumber, and I get their chipotle southwest sauce on it for a little kick. But uh, that's it. I occasionally have gotten the meatball sub, but I don't know. Now I got to find out what's in those meatballs. What's in that sauce, Andy? <laughs> it's, not what's, it's not what's in the meatball. It's what's not in the meatball. <laughs> it's so. that, sou- that southwestern chili sauce. That's probably the, the who knows what's yeah. in that. Right. That's the, yeah, that dude, I stopped, going, yeah. I stopped going because uh, they didn't have enough meat for me, you know? So I guess I kind of <laughs> saved myself. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You want extra meat or, I mean, any meat? Any meat? <laughs> Can I pay extra for actual meat? And meat, there's a hyphen. It's M E E T with a hyphen in between the E's. Like right. I didn't even know you could spell meat with a Q. Q E T Q. Yeah, yeah. That's pronounced. The Q is silent. Uh, it's double concoction. Yeah. It's extreme meat. Queet? Uh, no, it's pronounced meat. What? It just is. Trust us. It's Subway. Look, do you even do you see a subway around here? No, nothing yeah. we say is real. There's no trains. <laughs> There's no underground tunnels. It's all bullshit. This whole thing is bullshit. Just find you a chopped. All right, y'all. Let's bring this one home. Where are we at, Andy? Uh, we're oh, we're like uh, we're pushing two hours. We're That's like been over good. hour forty-five. It's been a good one. I want to thank um, Chad Half for sitting in with us. Yeah, buddy. Chad Thanks Hef for having me. With one of his cats and mm-hmm. one of his cats. I saw the other one back there. Hi. Uh, How many cats you got over to three? Yeah, the cat pavilion, man. Uh, and my roommate's got one, so. Uh, but this one's definitely the lap one. The other two are quite energetic. Yeah. <laughs> Daytime, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, you live. It's still light out where you live. Right. Yeah, still right now. You can see it in this room. <laughs> yeah. As always, we thank Elena for sitting with us. Got Thanks her some uh, some freedom from the baby time. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I didn't have to change any poops. No, no, Joe. You you're going to. I'm sure. <laughs> are, going are you going to sit there and pretend to do a third podcast just yeah, to have like, yeah. like, oh, what do you mean it smells? Sorry, <laughs> having a really important discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Chat room, we thank you guys for coming in with us. As always, well, really appreciate y'all. Elena, do you use Goya products? Sometimes. Sometimes, okay. Have you boycotted since the CEO became a Trumper? No, because you know what? I can't find yucca in any other 
you need to reach out to Chef Gregorio. He'll have something for you. Because uh, I've been into yuca lately, and at my grocery store, the only brand that carries yuca anything is the frozen Goya ones, which yeah, I wanted to, to avoid it, but there's no other choice. You need to reach out to Chef Gregorio. He'll have, he'll have something I'll do for that. you. Yeah. I'll do that. And by the way, how Trumpian is that? They're the only choice. <laughs> right. You must love us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, y'all. Thanks so much, chat room, for coming in. I appreciate y'all as always. Um, y'all come on back with us Saturday. Uh, Andy, love you, boy. Uh, chat room, love y'all. Y'all know. We just appreciate y'all. Y'all keeping this thing going. We're going we gonna to keep doing it with y'all. Hope y'all um, enjoyed it today. Don't don't go by GameStop, guys. Yeah. Do that. yeah. Not <laughs> for a little bit. That. Let's not let it shake out a little bit. You're not going to get rich quick. <laughs> let, it, let, yeah. it, let it shake out a little bit. All right. Uh, we're going to do this. Chad, you're going to go last. All right, y'all. Thanks again for pre. We appreciate y'all as all. I'm Randolph Terrence. I'm Andy Klein. I'm Elena Torres. I'm Chad Heft. And that's Chad's cat. Down to me. you guys on. And we are out. <laughs>